I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of February 2021, and we are in the midst of our sports movie event month. Uh, last week, we covered uh, Any Given Sunday, directed by Oliver Stone, which is a foosball film, a, a non-NFL-affiliated football film. That mm-hmm. was uh, Kyle's pick. And in fact, Kyle had the pick the past two weeks, uh, which means the next two weeks are mine. You're in here with me. <laughs> um, so for my pick, of course, in case you didn't see it coming from a mile away, <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> is a film from South Korea uh, directed by Ryu Sung-won uh, from 2005 called Crying Fist. And it is about the sport of boxing. Um, and as we tend to do um, when we start talking about movies in these uh, sports movie month episodes, uh, I'd like to start things off just talking about our personal histories uh, with the sport in question. So in this case, boxing. Um, for my part, uh, boxing's pretty much been like the number one sport of interest for me personally. Um, I, I was not an athletic kid. I was a fat kid for <laughs> like most <laughs> of my life up until I was about like, I don't know, 17 and you know found girls and whatnot. <laughs> um, uh, but up until then, yeah, I was, I was a Husky kid for sure. And uh, I, stayed away from competition of all kinds for the most part just because i didn't have the instincts for it and i'm a very poor loser and i know that about myself (laughs) so i kind of abstain from many forms of competition because of that um but i i found boxing um through my dad uh, because as it so happens um he was in the police athletic league probably not by choice um, in uh in in philly um back in the day back in the 60s i believe and uh, boxing was something that he he was very knowledgeable in and something that he talked about. Like, whenever it was on TV, he would have a lot of insight into it. And it was really one of those, like, childhood bonding things where it's like, I didn't do a whole lot with my dad. I still don't do a whole lot with my dad. Um, but, like, the few times boxing would be on TV and stuff, I'd just be, like, enamored with listening to him to, like, like listening to him like analyze like actually what was happening as opposed to just like oh look at the guy hit the guy it's like mm-hmm. no there's there's subtleties to this there's there's a craft it's the sweet science and whatnot um and at one point my my brother um trained in the sport um and for me personally it i took it as like a, a rite of passage that i actually wasn't required to do like i you know i grew up in a healthy middle class environment um, my parents are still together and stuff, mostly happy household. Um, but for some reason, I decide I just planted the seed in my head that it's like, you know, I should probably get punched in the face at some point. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know, dad did it probably not by choice. Brother definitely did it by choice. And for me, it's like, you know, I, I, I think I should do this. So I, I, I trained for a couple of years out of the Thurston County uh, Police Athletic League, which um, was basically an ex-cops garage. <laughs> because they had no funding uh, basically you paid your dues and uh he let you hang out in the garage for a while and beat the shit out of each other <laughs> um but it was a it was like one of the more formative experiences in my in my life up to that point like it was only a couple years of my life and it was only a few hours a week or whatever but um damn i, I learned a lot of life lessons from that and i'm a lifelong fan of the sport 
consider myself like a little bit of a walking encyclopedia for a lot of like factoids and like stuff about the history of it and stuff so um as kyle has certainly experienced like being friends with me like if you hang around me long enough uh, i'll talk some boxing at you mm-hmm. and you'll probably just nod and smile and then pivot to something much more interesting <laughs> um but you kyle uh, what's what's a what's your background if any with boxing uh, my dad's not a boxing fan. We didn't really grow up with it. Um, I was aware of boxing as a child. Uh, Mike Tyson was, I mean, he was huge when we were kids. Uh, basketball and football were more prominent in my household. Uh, so that was more of our focus because Jordan, Michael Jordan was in, well, not, I wouldn't say his prime, but he was nowhere out of his prime uh, when I was a child. So he was still a pretty big deal. Uh, so yeah, I knew I knew of Mike Tyson. Um, I probably would have, uh, thinking back, uh, we didn't really have the ability for us to do sports when I was a kid. It just wasn't in the cards. Um, if I was going to go back and do sports, I probably would have done soccer. But as I had gotten older, I think I would have uh, might have gotten into boxing because I think it would have been a lot of fun. Um, I would do it now as an adult if I just. If I didn't know, like, the, the brain damage it might cause, just, like, sparring and stuff like that, I'm like, I don't even want to mess around with that at this age. Like, I, I'm past that. Um, but I do think that I, I agree that, um, and this was a point of contention between my partner and I, that as a grown man, you should be punched in the face at least once. And not, not, because, not because I think it makes you a man. I think that the fear, mostly coming from middle school and high school, of getting into a fight and humiliated... I think you just need to get that over with because I think it can linger as an adult. And I do think it's important for uh, a guy, especially if you've struggled with that, being afraid of getting into a fight. You should get punched in the face one time and realize it's not that bad. Yeah, um, I, I kind of agree with you. It's it's a weird thing, but it, it's one of those things that's like you, you, there's a threshold that's like you, you just got to get over with now. Yeah. <laughs> like like there's, there's a lot of bigger podcasts out there that advocate like, intense physical struggle and stuff it's essential to becoming a man i'm not saying that but i I think part of it too is understanding what it actually is Mm -hmm. like actually not removing that mystery of like actually knowing that yes this is what it feels like like should you ever have to do this to someone else this is what it does to you not only does it hurt like a motherfucker and like rattle you like really frazzle you emotionally and psychologically um it it lingers <laughs> like like it carries like several layers of pain with it and a lot of it and we will see this in this movie actually mm-hmm. like replicate stunningly accurately <laughs> um yeah. like the the emotional damage that comes with having it happen especially in public where it's like oh my god like i'm just like damaged to my core and it <laughs> it, it was not even that hard of a punch but everyone saw it and every every fiber of my being is just inflamed and, and just agitated in the worst possible way right now i've been punched in the face a few times i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it's, it's, it's happened a few times um not as an adult fortunately i haven't been punched uh as an adult but i definitely got punched in the face a few times in uh, high school uh, which i think is the best place to get that out of the way you should just do it that's the best time because really the dudes that are hitting you in the head aren't gonna do a lot of damage I mean, yeah, it's it's low stakes. Neither yeah. of your brains are completely formed yet. Nobody's <laughs> fighting to the death. Once you start fist fighting as an adult, you don't know what you're dealing with. Like I, I would advocate, as an adult, once you reach 18, do not get in a fight with anybody. You don't know who you're fighting. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. Um, so I've been punched in the face, but I've also had like a, 
I've had a pretty good snowboarding hit on the head where I was like, well, I kind of got up and I was a little shaken. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. I, I checked to see if I had a concussion. I didn't, fortunately, but it rocked pretty good on the head. Um, and I didn't knock myself out, which makes me think in boxing, like when you see people get knocked out, I'm like, I have no idea what that feels like. I've been knocked out before, but it wasn't from a punch. But that's another. I've never been knocked out or knocked down in in a boxing environment, I had you know headgear and Vaseline on my forehead and stuff like that. But I I did get pretty close to turning out the lights. Like I I I got saved by the the non-existent bell because it was a fucking garage and it was just like a guy with an oh. iPhone <laughs> who was sometimes <laughs> sometimes watching. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, he was a fantastic coach. He was a really wonderful guy, especially with the little kids who were there. Uh, you know the people who actually were supposed to be there as opposed to me. Um, who was actually getting college credit um, because I was doing a journalism project by interviewing him and all the other participants in the gym. Mm. Um, so I, I was like 19, 20 around there. So I was, you know, in the middle range of, of the ages of the participants and whatnot. But he was great with the kids. And I remember one time he was like, he's blasting some like NWA or something. And he started turning the lights on and off and like yelling at everybody's like, keep working. <laughs> he was a, he was a funny guy, but um, yeah, I, I, I did get pretty close to going out there. Um, thankfully I didn't, but it's not a pleasant feeling. Like, so I was, it, it's terrible. <laughs> I was surprised we were going with a Korean boxing movie, boxing movie. Cause I, I was going to ask you like, is boxing prominent in South Korea? It is not. Okay. Um, especially these days. Um, I, I want to say, see, I'm not an authority on like Korean culture. I, <laughs> I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Um, but as far as I understand, and this is actually reflected in their cinema, which is kind of funny because this movie comes from 2005. So this was in that big wave of like year 2000 and forward of uh, like really breakthrough internationally successful Korean films. Um, we've, we've had subsequent waves since then, but like the Korean film industry and just like Korean media in general has become much more sanitized than it used to be. Uh, it's much more glossy. Like people are better looking and, <laughs> and movies are more aesthetically pleasing and the subject matter tends to be serious, but not as grimy as it used to be. Um, and there's been a lot of initiatives like with the Korean government and stuff to um, one get like everyone in the country speaking English basically like there's actually plans put in place like future generations like I don't remember how many like one or two generations from now the plan is you're all y'all are going to be speaking English because yeah. that's the future well we um, should be so speaking th Spanish in this country but that's a whole other conversation I mean if we're talking straight numbers yes that's true we yeah. should be <laughs> I mean it's kind of pitiful that we can't yeah, no. <laughs> but... no 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 we can't do we can't have our kids be bilingual okay jeez uh, but in addition to that, there's also like Korea is very image centric. Like mm -hmm. they, they, there's a reason why plastic surgery is so prominent in that country. <laughs> it's because the idea is your face is your billboard to the world. If you if you can look better, why wouldn't you? <laughs> because it's 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 the image you present to all the people around you. Yeah. So if if you have the means to improve this, why the fuck wouldn't you? Um, and I want to say that things like boxing are considered like a step backwards. Yeah, that it's makes like, sense. dude, future like past generations suffered gravely uh, to get us to where we are now. Why would you do such a barbaric thing as you know reject 
education in favor of getting pummeled for a living. Um, it's kind of like a spit in the face of, you know, the struggles of generations past, I guess. Two questions. One, what is the biggest sport in South Korea? And two, uh, I'm sure you're aware the NFL has uh, taken more precautions for uh, concussions uh, in the, over the past few years. Like they have concussion protocol. If somebody suffers a concussion in a game or is suspected, they have to sit out for that game and have to pass. Uh, is, do, uh, has boxing implemented anything like that? Uh, they, they have like a, I forget how many days, um, it's probably a 90 day suspension period, at least basically meaningless, um, Mm -hmm. at the, at the highest level of the sport anyway, where if you're defeated by knockout, um, you're not allowed to have another professional match, uh, until the window has passed. So basically you're, you're not allowed to fight until X number of days has passed. That's only for sanctioned bouts and like every sanctioning body like across every state has different rules so you know and then you get into situations where you have people like mexican fighters that's like one of the biggest named fighters going today uh saul canelo alvarez you've you've seen a cardboard yeah, cutout of I'm him advertising him. you have seen his cardboard cutout at a 7-eleven or something um <laughs> advertising tecate no less <laughs> um he's as as far as I remember, he started his pro career at fifteen. Oh wow! Like paid paid professional career at fifteen. Uh, so sanctioning bodies sometimes matter. Sometimes the rules are in fact in effect. But if you want to if you want to like fuck the rules, you can certainly just drive to the next county down or whatever. And mm. you know, I mean, back in the day, like like a hundred years ago or like sixty seventy years ago. Guys used to use multiple names and just drive to the next town over. <laughs> and and instead of training, uh, they would just keep nice. fighting. Like I mean, Jake LaMotta and Sugar Ray Robinson, as far as I remember, fought like three or four times within a couple of months or something. Like two two Hall of Famers, two future Hall of Famers just battered the shit out of each other for like 15 rounds a night for like uh, every couple weeks or something. Apparently, uh, Doug Stanhope, uh, comedian, stand-up comedian. His next-door neighbor well, this was Jake LaMotta. He's recently passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he has a funny story about being neighbors with Jake LaMotta. If I can find it, I'll send it to you. It's pretty funny. But- please, please do. But to, to answer your question, um, previously, the national sport of South Korea was StarCraft, the computer game. Um, oh. And, oh, yeah. okay. We actually read a study. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was from South Korea that uh, kids weren't necessarily dying, but the it was uh, playing video games was affecting their functioning to the point where it would be a mental illness. And that was something we discussed in class. Yeah, video game addiction is one of those hot topics these days, not just in Korea, but around mm-hmm. the world, like, you know, most of the first world anyway. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think StarCraft is, is currently their sport. I want to say it's probably just esports just cast the widest net possible so not like um, an actual like soccer or anything like that like i've, I've heard baseball is actually really big in south korea yeah baseball is big they have most of the sports that we have mm-hmm. but the the national sport up, up until a few years ago was starcraft okay um, interesting yeah i was um, not aware of that <laughs> well the more you know <laughs> but kyle um Usually you do this. Uh, do you feel comfortable doing the plot summary for this movie, Crying Fist? Uh, yes. Two troubled, uh, two troubled men at different uh, points in their life uh, turned to boxing to kind of turn their situation around. 
Excellent. Good job. <laughs> yeah, concise to the point. Um, yeah, this movie is directed by uh, Vu Sung Won. I'm probably mispronouncing that, as as both of us will probably be doing with all the Korean names we talk about. Um, uh, yeah. We'll probably have nicknames for everyone just to make things easy for everyone. Yes, because um, we're going to butcher it, and it's just easier if we refer to them in a way that you know who we're talking about. Yeah, I know some shit about Korea, but I don't have a Korean tongue, so mm-hmm. forgive me. Um, no. So... This director, though, um, I'd like to spotlight him for just a second because uh, this movie was one of the first Korean movies I saw. Um, this came out in 2005. I think I saw it like a couple years after that. But uh, the very first Korean movie I ever saw was uh, Shiri from 1999. Um, and in fact, uh, the star of this film is in that one, I think in a smaller role, um, mm. uh, Choi Min-sik, uh, who is, of course, a national treasure of korea these days um that would be old boy Mm -hmm. uh, the the principal like the lead actor from the film old boy which was you know a big hit and um like i say he's like a national treasure in the sense that i just watched a movie with him in it in a cameo recently and it was hilarious because he just showed up and he got his own camera angle where it's like if you didn't know who that was you wouldn't understand why the camera like sucked his dick <laughs> like, like like hang on why is the cinematographer just like making this guy look like the coolest fucking person ever but he's it's a like, big deal oh. it's because he's a big fucking deal yeah. so even if you don't know that all of korea does but anyway this director though um i latched onto him like almost immediately when i started watching korean movies um because it just so happens like i have like a simpatico with him when it comes to our particular tastes and films um uh, he was very inspired by Jackie Chan in particular. Um, and Korea is is known for making, like, thrillers and, like, spy movies and stuff. But they, they don't tend to do, like, like slam-bang, like, action movies. Like, like full-scale, like, full-dumb action movies. Like, it tends to be more, like, gangsters or, like, cops and robbers and stuff. And, mm. and even their choreography style tends to be kind of raggedy on purpose. And we'll get into that when we get to it in this movie. But um, there's a movie of his that I saw in college. Like, I, I imported the DVD, and it's called The City of Violence. And, oh, fuck, I need to rewatch this movie. Because in rewatching this one, I realized how much I liked it. And City of Violence was, like, one of the most important movies I saw at that phase of my, my cinematic experiences. And, uh, yeah, he's he's had, like, a kind of sporadic output in recent years. Um, such that I've, I'm starting to get worried. Like I'm like, man, like <laughs> like you used to you used to work more often, and now I'm like, are like projects being taken away from him or something? Because he had a really big hit in 2015 called Veteran, um, that was supposed to have gotten a sequel, um, and it had a huge cast. It was a big, huge hit, and there's been no sequel since, and he hasn't made a movie since 2017. So I'm, I'm getting worried about the guy, but he's. One of those guys that anytime he makes something, um, I will I will probably buy the Blu-ray like blind. Like I won't even bother to read reviews. I'll just be like, "Yep, it's him. I'll buy it." <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah. The the central gimmick of this movie, and um, if you can find a way to see this, and I, I don't know how you would do that yeah. outside of like buying a bootleg DVD or something. Um, spoilers ahead uh, as we tend to do here but the the central gimmick of this film is that we have two narratives uh running parallel to each other and they don't even begin to touch each other until the very end um and it's 
it's wildly effective in how they present the story. It's, it's really clever filmmaking where they, they have two very strong performers that carry their own stories completely independent of each other. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, real, the real kicker, the real, the real crux of things when you get to the final reel of the film is that the whole movie's about boxing and it just so happens we have two protagonists and they end up fighting each other at the end of the movie. And both characters have been built up in such a way that it's akin to watching your, your own children fight, where you're like, I'm not really pulling for, for either guy. I just want I just want them to both be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering... I had no idea where this was going to go at the end, because uh, I was assuming that... I didn't think that old boy was going to fight. I thought that he was going to end up going to this boxing match and seeing um, you... Is you? Yeah, so our, our two protagonists, and uh, Kyle has some pretty clever nicknames for both of them. So we have Choi Min-shik, uh, the national treasure of Korea, um, portraying Kang Tae-shik, uh, who is about 40 years old in this film, mm-hmm. um, the actor and the character. And then we have Ryu Sung-boom, uh, who is the director's brother, by the way, um, ah. as Yu Sung-hwan. And he's been in a lot of the director's films. They, they work together often. But So it's uh, Kang and Yu. Uh, and Kyle's nicknames for them were Old Boy, Old and Boy, Dreadlocks, and Dreadlocks. Uh, I had to stop with Dreadlocks because he's no longer dreadlocked once he goes to juvie. Um, so I had to go with Old Boy, and uh, I still said Dreadlocks, but I'll probably say Old Boy and you, just so it's easy. Everybody knows who Old Boy is. It's his. It's the movie that you're gonna know him from. <laughs> old man and and young boy. Yeah. <laughs> um. um but yeah, it's really clever how they they manage to tell both of their stories with without without buying into the idea of like having them cross paths like mm-hmm. in a cute way. Like it it isn't until the final reel that they really come together at all. And they they do tease it a little bit in the final sections of the film where certain characters like literally pass each other in the frame without acknowledging one another. It's very cute how they do that. Like when they're at the the venue for the the final fight of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the, like the head guard from the prison is like, he's kind of panicked because they're, they're, they're like scrambling to get their fighter ready and stuff. And then old boy just kind of like brushes shoulders with them and they don't even acknowledge each other. Um, but yeah, the, the film opens in like a, kind of like a verite style. And I, it's a really, really strong opener. Like if, if you ask me anyway, mostly because you have a really, really powerful actor doing this scene. Um, and it's shot like handheld in the center of like a, it's like a shopping center or something. Yeah. Um, and do you want to describe what old boy does here? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you kind of a background of the two characters. Uh, old boy is uh, kind of down on his luck boxer. He's, you know, well into his forties and it doesn't look like he's really done much with his life. So he is actually his gimmick, his way of making money is to be a human punching bag. Um, he gets people to pay him and they get to box with him if they can hit him. Cause he's actually he does a pretty good job of not getting hit, uh, which I thought was kind of counterproductive. I'm like, aren't you supposed to let them hit you? Not the other way around. But anyway, um, yeah, he's this is how he makes money. And then we have uh, you, who is a troubled youth, and he's kind of kind of in a financial pinch, and he makes some bad decisions. But yes, uh, old boy is out there. He. He comes out in the middle of the shopping center and sets off an alarm on his uh, megaphone and he tells them the whole spiel, like, hey, I'm an ex-boxer. Uh, you can come over here and fight me for some money. You can punch me for some money. And he actually does pretty decent. 
Yeah, no, he he can work a crowd. Like yeah. at at one point in the film, he actually has a whole gaggle of people. It's like it's like I don't know a street performer at like at Westlake Center or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it is kind of funny that he he does still employ some defensive techniques. Like he isn't just standing there taking the punches. Like I I think he so he's charging ten thousand won, which translates to less than ten dollars. Wow. Um. Which, you know, for a street performer, that's quite a bit. But mm-hmm. um, considering the fact that he's eating punches every now and again, that's that's a high price to pay. I mean, again, this is 2005. We didn't quite know the things that we know about head trauma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's charging about nine bucks um, for one minute of basically spark. Like, only you're allowed to throw. He can employ whatever def- defensive techniques he needs to but if you're a man you get one minute and if you're a woman you get two minutes <laughs> um and the idea is he's like hey everybody's stressed out everybody's got rage issues and shit <laughs> like go ahead on and unload your stress on me and yeah uh, he does pretty well with this uh, like this is his employment this is his financial means uh, at this point in his life and it's really sad but at the same time you're you're right he is he's still kind of got some moves like, yeah. he doesn't get hit that often so i guess if you were really fucking good at it um and you could keep your wits about you you, uh, you could make rent a couple of times but this is not a long-term strategy no uh, this, this should not be anyone's plan a but apparently this was this is a thing that i don't know if this is still practiced but um both i think i've read accounts both of uh korean and japanese folks doing this on the street no kidding um, and, it, and it literally was just you hit them like they don't move they just eat a punch from you huh um so people in dire straits basically Jeez, i'll just give you the 10 bucks man i won't if you're if you're that hard up i'll just give you the 10 <laughs> yeah uh it's a different culture um yeah. i i want to say that uh there's there's quite a bit of pride in korean culture for hustle like actual hustle Mm -hmm. you don't you don't just take handouts you got you got to earn it somehow so it's like i can't play the violin i can't sing i can't dance but i can get punched in the face (laughs) i'm sad but again uh, this is how he's paying the bills these days but that's his opening and i i really like the cinematography during the sequence because it's like i said it's handheld and it's like one sustained shot and he's a fantastic performer he's very charismatic and he when it comes to displaying emotion in particular, like all the entire spectrum, this guy is brilliant. Like mm-hmm. he can do anything you ask him. He's kind of like, I don't know, like prime Robert De Niro, but Korean almost. Thanks. Um, yeah, he, he's immensely talented. There's a reason he's as popular as he is. But, but he's really um, good. Uh, what I liked about the cinematography here is that it introduces us, the viewer, to some of the cinematography we'll be seeing later in the film during the boxing scenes. Um, but this is just him, you know, spinning around with a megaphone, yelling at people and stuff. Uh, yeah. So, I, real quick before we go into you, how did you like the 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 sparring in this movie, like the actual boxing? Because from an amateur standpoint, I thought it looked pretty good. I think especially use uh, two fights with the Zapka, the uh, Korean <laughs> Zapka. Um, <laughs> I think those were really good. The, we'll get into the very end. That's something different I'd rather talk to you about. But I thought like those two sequences were pretty good. Well, shit, let's get into it. I mean, 
no there's no rules here we can talk about whatever we feel like in whatever order so the the boxing in this film um is actually part of why i thought you might like it mm. it's because it, it's it's a uh, stripped down quite a bit like the theatricality um un- unlike say like a rocky movie or something yeah. which full disclosure i i i adore those films i i love the rocky films <laughs> that those movies were a huge part of why i got into boxing was because yeah. my dad's from philly um, so watching those movies, even before I started watching boxing with my dad, because, you know, boxing on TV, uh, unfortunately, is usually a pay-per-view thing. Yeah. Uh, so it was, and uh, was it Wednesday night fights or Friday night fights has long since died, mm. like like decades ago. Um, so free free boxing on television in this country um, was mostly in the in the shitter by the time i was old enough to start watching that stuff yeah. boxing boxing is one of those weird niche sports that gets elevated to prestige status when it's convenient for the people running the books and stuff uh-huh. um, but in, in terms of like water cooler chat and like actual like public interest it's a niche sport yeah nobody wants <laughs> like to talk spe- about nobody wants to talk about uh uh floyd mayweather like you watch mayweather not get punched in the face i'm like yeah i did <laughs> That's why Mike Tyson was such a big deal. It's like, no, no, no. Someone might die this week from from one of his punches. He might actually kill somebody. No, de- decades ago, like there was a time in this country, like for a good solid hundred years or so, where it was like one huge, of the kings. Yeah. yeah, it was a massive sport. But these days, nobody cares. <laughs> like they they care when it's convenient to them, but like daily public interest in the sport is it's very niche, and I I accept that, but. What I was saying about the Rocky movies was my my dad actually grew up in Philly. He spent most of his, his I think he's up until he was a teenager there. Um, and uh, watching Rocky with my dad was a, a really awesome experience because, again, he would like point to shots in the film and be like, yep, I know that place. I used to sled there. I beat the fuck out of that guy. I tried to kill that guy. <laughs> that guy talks shit to my sister. <laughs> like, oh, that's Frank Stallone, in, in case you didn't notice. Stuff like that. Um, Your dad so, sounds like, like he's from Philly. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. From it what comes I understand. Out. Uh, especially, especially growing up in Seattle. There's, a, there's certain quirks to his... Uh, yeah. his behavior that <laughs> definitely Se- <laughs> philly dad and seattle dad two completely different dads yeah that you know usually usually a how you doing warrants like a certain type of response that you don't get here and oftentimes it warrants a follow-up if <laughs> if you're philly dad in seattle. seattle dad's like would you like some sprouts on your turkey sandwich there <laughs> <laughs> the fuck you say to me huh? <laughs> Um, but yeah, watching Rocky translated very seamlessly into watching boxing. Um, but what I was saying about the, the presentation of the actual boxing in this film, uh, the theatricality, like the choreography aspect of it, a lot of this feels improvised. It does, honest. yeah. Um, and that's the thing about Korean culture that uh, the way they shot the, the boxing in this film, I don't know that you could do in this country. At least not with At least not with top flight actors because there is a lot of contact and there is a lot of good faith on the part of the performers that we're both going to eat some leather here, but the camera's rolling and we're going to do this well, right? I can <laughs> say, like, when they're sparring with headgear, they're hitting. They're not missing. They're hitting when they've got the headgear. There's a few. There's like one little sloppy shot uh, at, at, at the final fight sequence, like day one of the fights that I saw. And there's one where old boy swings 
makes contact, but you uh, kind of does like a, an extra head thing. Like to, I was like, I don't think he was supposed to hit him, and he was supposed to react, but he got <laughs> hit and then still reacted to it. No, the the presentation of the boxing in this film is pretty remarkable, mm. um, in in how authentic it it looks and feels because it a lot of it is authentic. Uh, there is a lot of actual contact, and oddly enough, everyone in this movie is a headhunter. Like, there's very little body shots, and and when it comes to faking a fight on film, the body's your friend, man. You can you can sell shots to the body all day long without getting anyone hurt. But these guys are just going for the temples and the eyes and the chin. Well, <laughs> I mean, they also spend a lot of time. Uh, I love the training montage in this movie. I think it's I think it's excellent. I I like I like how gritty, like how like how. Uh, rough it is like them just working on the abs like you'd think that they'd spend that much time working on the abs that you would have some more body shots well i think it's just because those of us that don't watch boxing like we don't give a shit about body shots i don't know what a liver shot does to you i don't even know what that i don't know if that actually hurts it does but i I don't know that i just need to see head shots (laughs) (laughs) yeah kill the head and the body will die I think Bass Rutten was doing like, here's how you do a liver shot. I'm like, that's the last dude I want to get a body shot from. That dude's a beast. Kyle, question. Have you ever seen Boss Rutten's uh, self-defense videos? No. It might have, the, you, the liver shot might have been on that. YouTube that shit. It is uproarious like it is so fucking hilarious because he his line deliveries are priceless and and you can tell they had no budget they just had boss rootin and some poor soul that just had to eat everything he threw at him <laughs> go, go and piss a little blood and we'll come you come back all right <laughs> um but yeah we'll, we'll talk more about the the presentation of the boxing um when we get to it but um like i said the the structure of the narrative here is that we we just kind of fade to black every once in a while and jump into a different story there's two stories running parallel to each other and the first story is kong tae shik uh choi min shik uh old boy and then the second story is dreadlocks uh yu sang Hwan. and uh his introduction as far as i remember is uh stealing a radio from a car yeah i didn't this it happened <laughs> so quickly like we we go from the center where uh where old boy's fighting and then i'm like there's a dude with dreadlocks in this movie what the hell's happening <laughs> and yeah i i couldn't make out what was happening but yeah, it looks like he's stealing a stereo and then he jumps on a motorcycle i'm like oh okay uh i don't know what this has to do with anything but let's do it but he gets chased by some incompetent police officers um he ends up in a bog or a swamp or something uh and he just he gets away on foot somehow he he get, i think a cop throws a rock at him at one point <laughs> um interesting that somebody is uh you know taking chase and the cops don't go any further than you know ah well can't catch him now just let him go yeah, and they're they're not like you know heavy set cops. They're not. They don't. No. They look like they have some wind beneath their wings. Like they could give chase if they really wanted to, but they're just probably shitty cops. <laughs> I love those fat cops at the beginning of Men in Black when Will Smith is just fucking chasing that dude down. Like, oh, yours, Edwards. <laughs> that dude was gonna die if he went any further. <laughs> I've been due to rewatch that movie. Ah, oh, got to go back. Yeah, same here. Actually, I've had a. Uh, I've had Danny Elfman on the mind. Like, oh, yeah. For some reason, that, for some reason, uh, Mars Attacks popped into my head, mm-hmm. and then, of course, by extension, Men in Black popped into my head, and I was like, hmm. Someone posted aliens. something on Reddit. They're like, Mars Attacks is a good movie. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'll hear your argument, but uh, I don't know about that. Uh, 
yeah. I think I, it's fun, but I think good is the wrong word. They were make the way they were putting it was like it's a lot better than you remember. I'm like, I don't know about that cuz <laughs> I tried watching it a couple of years ago and I couldn't get very far. Um, it's fun. I I enjoy it, but I would not defend it as a quote-unquote good film. Um but you had to have been there, especially when we're talking CGI heavy movies from the 90s. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and you get a Godzilla cameo in there, so it's not all bad. Uh, but yeah, Dreadlocks. Um, I don't know if it's from this radio theft incident or something else. It appears to be something else, actually, that must have happened recently. He does end up at like a police station. Um, and... I thought this was interesting. I, I want to say this is like maybe a little bit commentary about Korean culture in general. Um, just because there's a lot of instances of violence outside of the boxing in this film. Because um, that's one thing I've learned about Korean culture is they're fucking tough, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know if there's been a single Korean person in the past hundred years that hasn't been slapped, <laughs> uh, usually by a parent <laughs> or some parental figure of some sort. The slapping is very important in Korean culture. <laughs> and I'll say this much, um, for women, for women especially, it's a very good language to nag people in. Um well, well, maybe "good" isn't the right word. It's a very, it's a very powerful language for nagging. <laughs> like it has a, it, it strikes a certain tone and it has a certain sloppiness and viciousness to it that just it cuts right to the bone. There's a strange cadence uh, as like the subtitles. I'm like, huh? I maybe it's just uh, like like sentence structure and everything. Uh, when you're trying to watch a movie in a different language, you can kind of pick up on the tone, like what they're getting at. And I was just like, I don't know, though. It's weird the way the cadence is not matching up with what he's saying. I'm like, it's just a little strange. Well, a lot of it is that, like, all the cuss words sound like, 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 shibur, like, that, that's, that's your, that's your standard F-bomb in Korea. <laughs> and it's every other fucking word in most movies. And on top of that, like, like you're saying about the cadence, um, a lot of times when people are chastising or saying things like in a aggressive tone which is again most of the dialogue in this film uh words get stretched out mm. like there's a lot of oh, oh, oh like a lot of that kind of shit you can almost picture like <laughs> you can almost picture like a street tough in english being like what now you asshole yeah <laughs> except for it's like fuck you asshole <laughs> Um, but yeah, Dreadlocks, he's at the police station, and what I was saying about violence in just the culture or the society in general... The at fat least kid smack us, about? Well, yeah, I mean, we get to see him, uh, I guess, collect from some of his goon squad, because yeah. apparently, apparently he has a goon squad, um, and apparently they did wrong. Um, but there's a woman in there who's just, like, cussing everyone out, and she actually, like, grabs him by his Dreadlocks and starts shaking his head, and it's kind of amazing that he doesn't smack her. Like she does, he does like shove her and she falls down. But the way she's talking to him and mm. what she's doing to his hair, it's like, Jesus, <laughs> like calm the fuck down lady. Uh, also he, his demeanor, I don't know if he just has bad posture, but the way he is just a very sinister way of like looking. I'm like, don't mess with this guy. He looks like he's going to snap and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, he has kind of a primal, like the dreadlocks actually fit. He, he looks like a primitive human almost. Like he's very animalistic. And again, that might be partially like a Korean culture thing because 
like standing up straight and looking people in the eye and like especially if you're drinking with an adult in the room you turn your fucking head otherwise you get slapped (laughs) so it's kind of like him disregarding cultural norms like societal norms i guess and just showing that he he doesn't fit in anywhere like he's kind of a lost individual in many ways in many respects but Mm -hmm. um it was kind of neat when his dad shows up to pick him up from the police station because he steps into the room, doesn't say a damn word, and he just slaps him because, again, that's parenting. <laughs> he slaps him in the face, and the entire room goes dead. Like, everyone just, ooh. Not even. Just everybody stops. Yeah, I wish that wasn't battery. I wish that wasn't battery in this country. I wish you could get away with, like, a, just a good old slap. Some people need it, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I hate to say it. This, this is... <laughs> this is not something I would advocate like in a political forum, but like like you said about getting punched in the face, I think I think being allowed to get punched in the face, like having that be more okay, yeah, uh, would probably do would probably solve a lot of problems before they start. Yeah, because there there's we'll see this again later on in the film with this character with dreadlocks. There's a f- sense of finality that comes with being punched in the face that. If if you don't have it in you to to respond to that with more punches, that's it. Yeah, like, yeah. you don't want that to happen again, so you don't fuck around anymore. Like, maybe, that's kind of the end of that. Or maybe you just get like a one punch card. Like you just get to use your one punch a year. It's just like use it wisely because if you use it, if you use it more than once, you're gonna you're gonna get charged with something. So it'd be like the purge, except with one punch yeah. for for any individual on the face of the planet. Yeah. once a year and i think you could uh you could give your punch to somebody else like hey i'm not going to do any damage on this person can you do me a favor and clock him one uh, so would these punches expire though like like is is this like your uh, vacation days from work do you have to use them every year well if you work for a shitty company trevor uh and your vacation <laughs> days don't roll over uh and considering this is america yeah it wouldn't roll over obviously you'd have to use up you have 365 days to use that card and it, or it's taken you don't get to save up punches Oh, so you'd have, like, old veteran Jim who's been with the company for 30 years. He'd have, like, 35 punches saved up and be like, oh, man, I only got two days to use these. <laughs> he'd just be like, come take your lick, son. <laughs> like, all of y'all, everyone in the cubicles. <laughs> no, it, ex- it expires at the end of the year, so you just, you have to use it up. So December 31st, you better find somebody, <laughs> better find somebody to hit. <laughs> I know, like, I- oh, no, I'm on vacation and I'm in isolation. I only have one person in the room with me. It's like, oh, I guess you got to take 30 of these yeah. it's it's the law <laughs> we're not advocating violence and i'm not advocating beat downs just maybe no. a nice little punch every now and then <laughs> to those who deserve well, it I, well that the real thing is that with with guns and knives being a thing yes that's why that's why people can't punch each other because escalation yeah like, we have but a, in, yeah. A, in a society where you didn't have that possibility yeah sure yeah. Punches for everyone. <laughs> but, but then the tables can really turn. Now now we're going back to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll yeah. we'll move on. We'll from move that. on from but, that. <laughs> but yeah, Papa shows up and he picks up his son and I I really like the dad and I do too. Uh, I like his family. Like even his dopey brother with the big stupid hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, um his family's really great. They're very warm. Um and that's that's kind of the through line of his story, um, which is important. Being as old boy doesn't have as strong, he doesn't have as strong of narrative, if you ask me. 
Uh, this is more Yu's story, even though the screen time is shared. But um, his relationship with his family is really interesting because uh, Kyle was asking me about this before we started recording. It, it feels like there needs to be a little bit more of an explanation as to why he's so fucked up and so angry. Um, but what little information we get from the film that isn't, you know, inferred or implied is that uh, his mom's out of the picture not sure if she left or she died but she's not here um, he has a grandma that he crashes at her place every once in a while and she's mostly oblivious to all the crazy shit he does um, his dad's around sometimes um, work con construction sometimes uh, he has a younger brother who is also a street hooligan of some sort uh, so his home situation is not great, but every time we see him paired up with his dad, aside from this slap, which you could argue is delivered out of love, it's just like a, hey, cut the shit. <laughs> like, it wasn't like a, a vicious, like, I'm trying to tear your fucking cheek off type slap. It was just like a, hey, cut it out. Get it together. Get wrong. Yeah. Yeah, get it together kind of slap. And then the, the very next scene, they're they're hanging out, you know, father and son, and uh, they're, they're eating soup together, <laughs> and... I, I forget who said it, but it's really interesting that it's like you can learn a lot from a, a creature by the way it eats. And watching him eat this soup is fucking disgusting. I was going to ask the way he eats and the way that kid eats. I'm like, they just stuff their mouths full of stuff. And I wondered, like, is that just a young person thing or is that like a cultural thing? It's a little bit of both, to be okay. honest. Because <laughs> they both, but, they're um, stuffing their mouths full of food. Like, he eats, like... Like, he's just pouring, like, <laughs> stuffing stuff into his mouth. It's so fucking hot, too. Yeah. Like, you can see it burning his yeah. mouth. Uh, again, it's a tough culture. Maybe there's something to that where it's like, I don't care if it's hot. <laughs> it's like, I like it hot. I like when my skin falls off and I get mouth cancer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, they have, like, a meal with, with Gam Gam. And uh, I love that she's, like, treats every man in the room like, like a growing young man, even her very adult son who's like probably in his 50s like yeah. mid he's like in his early 50s mid 40s or something she's like no you need it for your strength and stuff <laughs> like she she made this whole big spread and we see her like go shopping like grocery shopping on her own and uh every scene she was in made me tear up a little bit because something about seeing a seeing a grandma like go through hardships always makes me feel bad oh, yeah. <laughs> and just like the first scene we see her and she's just watching tv and like drinking soup and she like has a bout of like aspiration like she she kind of chokes a little bit on the soup and she's living alone it's like oh man that's how old people eat it like yeah. a lot like that that's really common and like seeing her carry her groceries without any help and stuff is like oh man like these these men in her life they they try but not not that, Not that well. hard yeah. <laughs> like they they try hard sometimes but i like the conversation he has with his dad on the steps like his dad's very mindful of his son's uh indige indigestion like, he's always giving him tonics and stuff he's like oh, this is for your shitter <laughs> it keeps things moving but he he like tries to relate to him and like talk to him about like oh i used to be in the military and stuff and he's like oh that's that's nice i'm not doing that even though it's you know mandatory in the society and whatnot but there's a neat little cultural tidbit here where he gives his son a cigarette and then he has to like verbalize to him like put that shit away like get that out of my face because like i said about drinking like like in korean culture i know this much that um you don't like tip the glass towards someone's face if they're older than you you turn your head like so if you drink you turn your head to the side 
same goes for like cigarettes like you you put the the butt out of the way like you don't hold it up to their fucking face even if it's you know your dominant hand um but he has to like tell his son that which tells you like the state of their relationship where it's like these cultural norms these society societal norms that he should just know he doesn't and he doesn't really care too much about um but do you want to explain what happens here in this uh parking lot with uh you having a having yeah. a little scrap <laughs> so this conversation he's having with his dad apparently i think uh i'm guessing the situation is mom either died or she left dad works a lot of hours probably and uh he doesn't make very much money that's why you's out there getting in trouble um and he's telling him he's like this is how much money like he's like this is how much money i'm gonna have to, this is how much money i you owe like i'm gonna pay for you like however much you owe so he needs money basically so you uh, finds out from a, an acquaintance that there's a guy that he can rob. Um, I'm gonna call him Korean Bill Shatner because uh, I don't know. This looked like something that William Shatner would wear. Um, just this chipper old man. I guess he's got. Uh, I guess he's got money and like a satchel that he he lets people borrow and then he takes interest or something like that. So you decides that he's gonna rob this dude, which I think is not very smart unless he plans on cutting his hair afterwards. Because you were the only dude in Korea in this particular part of the town with dreadlocks. They're going to find you pretty quickly. But yes, this is, uh, <laughs> this guy is like squealing like a pig. So you tries to take the money from, this guy's got an iron grip on this satchel. He is not letting go. You <laughs> tries to take it from this guy and he's not having it. And this guy's like crawling away like, hey! <laughs> just trying to get away it was so it's so it's like it was really funny because it's so long and drawn out like we watched them crawl from that parking space to the other side of the parking garage and finally you ends up i guess knocking him out uh and then is there not that much money in the satchel or is there just very there's little? not much there's not much money and the cops show and the cops up. show up so <laughs> he just got out of the police station and he's back out on the street, and now he's arrested again. Yeah, it it's a it's a very comical scene. It's pretty um, funny. It it starts off really intense because it's like, oh, it's like it's he's it's a mugging and stuff, yeah. but it's a mugging gone bad because, like you said, this guy has the fucking death grip. It's <laughs> like, ador- just an adorable old man <laughs> with a satchel of money. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> squealing like a pig trying to get away. Oh, it's so yeah. funny. That's stunningly accurate. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, this, this tough old man—he's uh, still got a lot of tough in him. Like he's, for fuck's sake, he's probably been through two wars or some shit. Like he's—he's yeah. he's got some tough still in him. And yeah, you, despite all of his youthful vigor, just cannot pry this fucking satchel loose. Um. Yeah. So I think maybe old boys doing something. I'm not sure. But we show we see um, uh, you ends up going to. I'm guessing. Is this juvenile? It seems like they're all pretty young. I don't know if Korean prisons maybe separate by age or if he's supposed to be uh, young enough that this is a juvenile detention center. I don't think he's young enough, but maybe the Korean prison system has different tiers or something. Because you're right, everybody he's in with is of a certain age range. But I think they say he's in his early 20s, like he's 20 on the nose or something. By the time we get to the end of the film. I don't know what South Korean prison is like, or I'm not sure what it is, but they seem rehabilitative, like rehabilitative. Like they actually, like you're here to serve time and you're going to work while you do that. 
but when they realize that this kid's kind of trouble, they're like, we're going to put him in the boxing, uh, in the boxing program. I have a, a relative who was in uh, juvenile detention center, and that's not what the American justice system uh, does for youth. Uh, they get you ready for prison, is what he told me. He's like, now there was no fixing us. They're like, here's what's going to happen when you go to prison now, which is unfortunate. But America, take a take note from South Korea. Yeah, this, this has been a very political episode, but yeah. yeah sorry. Um, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, that that is the reputation of the American prison system is that it's it is like being shipped off to a different country almost like you're you are removed from society without expectation of gaining anything from the experience. You're just out of here, yeah. <laughs> um, out of sight, out of mind. Um, but yeah, other countries have wildly different systems. Like I, I think there was like that Michael Moore documentary or whatever that talked Sweden. about one. Of, yeah, it was it was one of the Nordic states. Uh, their system and uh the only other one i have any insight into is thailand and that is not rehabilitative <laughs> that's absolutely fucking terrifying yeah, i can see that i've been there uh there's a there's a movie um from uh I, f- I forget the name of the director but um the the bjj guy the jujitsu kid from a uh, green room uh joe cole oh okay uh, yeah. he's he stars in it and uh it's it's uh, called A Prayer Before Dawn. I, I know you don't like prison movies. No. Um, but it's very good. It's intense as all fuck because they actually filmed in a Thai prison with mostly non-actors, just actual Thai prisoners. Oh. Um, and, like, the sleeping conditions, you're, like, shoulder to shoulder with everybody on a mat, like, in a, a basically a longhouse. Um, and it's basically just, like, there, you have no personal space. You don't even have a cell. You're, you're just in a pen with a bunch of people and you all just lay on the floor together i think that might um, be my biggest fear is going to prison in another country especially one where they don't speak english that's well it was it midnight express was the the turkish prison film oh. uh, yeah my dad had me watch that one when i was pretty young <laughs> i don't know why but, but that was pretty fucked up if you're in another um, country but... don't get into a fight don't buy drugs easy easy as pie <laughs> Yeah, listen, listen to Kyle, folks. He he knows the ways of the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, old boy, uh, he he is also at a at a police station for some for reason. some reason. Not entirely. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, as Kyle had pointed out, um, when we do cut to his apartment, and by the way, he does have a physical altercation with someone at the police station. No nice. charges. Be- no charges because Korea. Because the guy was whining, and everyone in that police station what? knew that that guy needed to get whopped yeah. by somebody. Yeah, May was, as well be some other guy. <laughs> I was watching that, and I'm like, dude, no, that's more charges. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't do that. That's the thing that's so fascinating. It's like, it's, it's you know, I'm sure... Like in like Eastern Bloc states in particular, you can do you can just do shit like that. And nobody cares. But, we might not be able to release from, this episode. <laughs> I know we're we're we're, we're fucking with everybody. Yeah, but, no um, but yeah, from an American standpoint, it's like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, you, can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. You'll you'll you're already at a police station. Dude, you get right charged for that. There, <laughs> you're, the right there. you're gonna you're gonna get sued. <laughs> but. No, like the cops just kind of they do pull him off of him, but nobody gets charged with anything. No. It's just like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah no, thanks, buddy. He he did need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as Kyle had uh, pointed out to me via text, um, that was, this was a really good observation on your part. 
Um, when we do cut to old boy's uh, apartment with his wife and son, um, we get a close up on like an orange sticker of some sort um, on a lot of the possessions in the in the apartment. And Kyle theorized that this was probably like a, a rent to buy type scenario or something. Yeah, they targeted. Um, I, I think you were. I think you were totally right. Okay, I said that those. They tend to target people who can't buy things outright, so they'll repossess them. We read a shitty case about this uh, about this specific rent-to-own place that were, if you bought, if you uh, started leasing a table and you were making payments on the table, and then you started leasing a TV, making payments on the TV, if you paid off the table but you didn't pay off the TV yet and you defaulted on that payment for the TV, they would take both of your both of your things. So you just had like an accumulative. So every time you would rent something. It would just be this one big payment that you'd be distributing to the, everything. It was super shitty. Yeah. Don't. God, I didn't know predatory loans extended to fucking furniture. This was in the 80s. <laughs> I think they've since regulated the rent-to-own business. But yeah, this was in the 80s when this happened. Yeah, it, I thought that was curious that you brought that up because I hadn't thought about that in a it's long time. Literally because I read that this week. Yeah, I, I, I imagine something changed in the, in the law recently because i remember not that long ago like five seven years ago tons of television commercials uh of of these businesses and then out of nowhere i haven't seen one since um so i don't know maybe that industry is like been regulated to the point that's not feasible or anymore or something don't go to those places for one you're gonna yeah don't fucking do that (laughs) live within your means (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't, yeah, you don't need that stuff. That's kind of what they were marketing too. It's like, oh, you can have this stuff that you can't normally afford. Don't don't go to those places. Just get used furniture until you're in a position where you can buy something nice and new. Yeah, go to a Goodwill where you know the employees or something. You can get you can a get... good couch at the Goodwill. We got a really good couch at the Goodwill. You can do it. And you know, bed bugs are an East Coast thing. We don't. Yeah, we don't have them on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we did at my Value Village at one point, but don't tell anyone. That. <laughs> but, we have. Um, we don't have bed bugs. We have granolas. There's a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the the rent to buy scenario in in an old boy's apartment um, is interesting it's a it's an interesting detail and i'm really glad that you noticed it because um korea is kind of infamously or famously known to be very image conscious like even even like the even like in in international regards like they they're very they like to save face they like to look good um and that extends to the populace as well and things of this nature you know bringing things into the home niceties that you can't necessarily afford you know to keep up appearances and stuff uh, because of that aspect of the culture, I could see people falling prey to this often. Because um, they're about to the take everything. Because there's a yeah, sticker like on there, most there's stuff. stickers on a lot of <laughs> shit in here. <laughs> um, so uh, creditors are are on this guy's ass. Um, but there's, there's a simultaneously inflammatory and comical scene here, where he's yelling at his wife. They oof, they uh, they rip into each other. Like, like I yeah. said. Um, Korean is good to argue in. It's also good to nag in. Um, and the the son, uh, Sojin, he gets like he gets the <laughs> take the baby and go in the other room treatment. Yeah. You haven't seen? You, have you seen Raging Bull? I forget. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay, fantastic boxing film. <laughs> Arguably, probably better than this one. But really? you know, it's a Scorsese movie. Well, and I don't, yeah. I don't feel up to that challenge just yet. Even after a couple of years of doing a podcast. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll tackle Scorsese someday, but not today. But 
there's there's a thing that happens in Raging Bull where every time Jake LaMotta throws a fit in that movie, he just has this line, take the baby and go in the other room. <laughs> every time shit's about to get hairy, take the baby. And it's Robert De Niro, so he has to say it a million times yeah. over and over and over and over. Come with me now. Come with me now. He take is, the baby. Take the baby. He does, He is a, re- a repeater. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. I it's, yeah. It, it is part of his method. He does latch on to one line and say it over and over and over and over again. It works. Uh, you talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Come with What's me. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Yeah, it's a thing across his entire filmography. I don't it's a real dad thing that. to do. I think it's, it's a real dad move. I think that's, he really gets to you, like he gets to everybody's like, oh shit, I feel like my dad's coming down on me. Now the heat's on. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes from experience or something, because uh, this boy's life, oof. Actually, uh, bad dad. He actually, is a bad dad. <laughs> actually, in real life, uh, I believe his father. Uh, I believe his father was gay, and I believe he ended up taking care of it. Like uh, his dad, I think, was maybe openly gay in like the the sixties or seventies. I think he was really ill, and Robert De Niro took care of him. That I think that also Tracy Morgan did something very similar. You never can tell with actor types; they're always very strange people. Don't quote me on that, uh, but yeah. Well, we'll look it up later. I'm but, going to. Um, yeah. Anyway, the the scene here with with old boy is like I said, it's it's both like really intense, but then it becomes very funny for, I don't know, maybe it's just me or something. But the the boy gets sent out to go play, and he he wants to sleep with his wife in broad daylight with like the curtains open, yeah. <laughs> and she's like facing away from him, just being like, no, no, God no, hell no, and then we do this like hard cut. And he's just like in his underwear, yeah. and she's putting on her. She's like pulling up her skirt, but like the 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 way the edits flow there, we cut to like the boy playing in the streets and back up to the apartment. It's like thirty seconds past or something, <laughs> and he looks completely fucking worn out, and she just looks like she's just like rolling her eyes, just like, oh my god, this fucking guy. It is a loveless <laughs> not marriage. Sure it's a loveless oh, marriage at this point. And it doesn't really improve. That's no. that's the strange thing about his story. But um, we get a new character in, in his story here that he refers to as his brother. But at one point, he, I think his the character's full name, uh, he calls him like Wonte. Um, but I think his surname is Ol, um, which doesn't match his. So I don't think they're blood relations. I think they're just close friends from a from a bygone age of some sort the piece of shit yeah i think it's his brother really i think so Uh, okay well either way they refer to each other as brothers and uh yeah this guy is a piece of shit um Mm -hmm. he's one of those fellas that always has some sort of hustle going in fact the way they meet up with each other he's like doing some sort of business proposal to folks at like a driving range yeah and kong Shik walks into the room and is like this motherfucker but then his brother looks at him and like instead of like reacting like oh fuck <laughs> like he's come from my nuts he just keeps he like smiles and laughs and pulls him aside like oh oh it's my other business associate i'll be right back folks because he's in like full-on hustle mode and he mm. can't be stopped um but yeah he, he catches a beating <laughs> like this man is a former boxer he's got some crying fists that have to be unloaded on somebody um so the two of them apparently have some sort of relationship we're not entirely sure like like kyle had said it seems like they're brothers or, or at least close friends but there was money exchanged and this guy kind of conned uh old boy out of it he ate fingernails i wouldn't do that for any of my friends 
Possibly for Good my point. brother. I would not eat fingernails, so I'm going to go Good with brother point. here. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is a very good point. But um, some blows are exchanged, and we do learn that old boy was fucked over for quite a bit of money at some point, and now he's in dire straits because of said fucking. But yeah. we cut to the prison, and uh, you is he's kind of getting integrated into the system here. Um, and it has a very militaristic vibe to it. It looks it looks like a military academy almost, um, which is fitting, being as I'm pretty sure this system is meant to mirror that of the Korean military in some fashion, being as they have like mandatory military service. Um, but uh, the the head guard here is played by an actor that I I don't know if he's like super popular in korea i don't think he is but he works with this director very often so he's a very familiar face for me personally um on gil kong uh he has a weird face he's very tall and he has like kind of a he's kind of an ugly dude <laughs> but uh, he's very tough he's very tough looking and also very tall um he stands out um but he's, he he kind of serves as like a i don't know a guiding hand for you in here like he's he's still a prison guard but he's kind of looking out for him a little bit like he's the one that ends up recruiting him to the the boxing program in a little bit but Mm -hmm. um we go to the cafeteria in the prison and uh we get introduced to you called him the zabka yeah he's the the billy zabka of the film (laughs) yeah so this film has a billy zabka in the form of a prison inmate by the name they call his nickname is rock yeah and uh he's basically like the star of the prison boxing team and uh he also thinks he's hot shit oh he's a he's a little fucker is what he is yeah uh, even his face like Mm. he has a punchable face oh yeah um, like no which is fitting being as he's on the boxing team (laughs) there's no he's got no lips i just want to punch him yeah and uh he does get he does get roughed up here and what did you think of this uh prison scrap here well, I mean, it, this is this is kind of why I don't like prison movies because like this is gonna ha- obviously this is always gonna happen. First day, there's gonna be an altercation with the new guy that's in the prison. It's gonna happen, uh, but I do like how it plays out because um, I thought that you was gonna have uh, a bit more tricks in his bag. I thought maybe he had a little bit more technique because I mean he's just kind of slapping those fat kids around uh, when he's collecting. But he see like his demeanor. It seemed like he was capable of more. So when he got to prison, I thought that he was gonna maybe stand out a little bit as a fighter, but maybe improve on that. I didn't know that he actually has no skills whatsoever. Uh, he just has a lot of rage. Uh, I've come in contact with people like this before. The very confident dude, where you're like, ah, I don't think I'm gonna mess with this guy. But you messes with him. Uh, yeah, this dude start. He takes his lunch, and then as you, who gets another lunch, is scarfing down a bowl of rice, uh, this dude just starts flicking rice at him, and uh, he ends up like kind of eating it. This dude's like ha ha ha, just like laughing at him, being a dick. And of course, you jumps two tables, looks around, makes sure no one's looking, jumps two tables, and they get into a fight. Um, yeah, I, it gets pretty bloody pretty quick. Uh, the best part of this fight <laughs> is, <laughs> I almost glossed right over it, uh, you, knowing that he is not very good at fighting, takes this dude's ear. And I'm not talking like Mike Tyson giving uh, a Holyfield a little nibble. I'm talking like he is taking most of this guy's ear <laughs> and eats it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty tasty. <laughs> it's. I was like, take that ear, get it, get it. 
fuck this dude. I I mean the way that they're pulling them apart, it's like oh god. Oh, <laughs> it's like Tyler Durden. It's like Brad Pitt shaking the blood on Lou's face and like uh in uh, Fight Club. So like, oh, it's fucking gross. He is attached to this ear. Yeah, and his eyes are bugged out. He's enjoying himself, but the the way they're both laying on the floor like facing each other when the guards pick them both up it's like don't pull them apart pull them <laughs> what the apart. fuck are you doing yeah. like get well, him to let go first he's gonna get that ear regardless irregardless <laughs> he's going <laughs> to get that ear no matter what they do <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh, he he is with he's devoid of technique in his fighting yeah. in fact when it comes to striking as the mma folks would say um, he doesn't land a punch on Rock, um, but he cuts through. He puts things on his own terms by just straight up tackling Rock and taking him to the ground and biting him on the ear. <laughs> but before that, he's just eating punches in the face left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, he has a lot of rage to compensate for his lack of technique. But he gets put in solitary, and uh, the head guard, the the fellow that I described earlier, um, pays him a visit, and he's like, "Hey." Uh, you seem like an angry kid. Uh, you want to join the boxing team? <laughs> I mean, they're pretty understanding. I'm pretty sure if you bite off somebody's ear in American prison, I think, like, Shawshank rules, that's like a month in the hole. Like, And then you might you might get to come and hang out again, but you're definitely not doing activities. Well, I mean, it's part of, you know, a more uh, collective, more group-oriented society. Where it's yeah. like, hey you can make this person a part of a team and they can, you know, set goals and find self-worth and stuff. I wonder if they have private prisons. I bet they don't. Uh. <laughs> man, we just cannot get away from this shit. <laughs> Sorry, man. There's a lot of shit going on, you know? Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so he he goes to the boxing ring. I like the guy that's uh, kind of his little supervisor. Uh, I'm sorry, we, we have a restaurant guy. Uh, who I I don't understand his thread this movie. You kind of don't need him. Uh, the guy that uh, old boy talks to. Yeah, uh, the the noodle place guy. Yeah. Uh, he's I think he's a he's a semi famous actor for sure. Like he I've seen him in some other stuff, but uh, he's kind of there to mostly just give uh, old boy a reality check at a couple of pivotal points in the film. Um, but his acting's really fun because he's he's very calm and steady, and most of the time he doesn't say shit. Mm-hmm. He's he's just kind of there, and old boy just rants and rambles, and he just kind of goes about his business. He's like, okay, apparently you have a lot of shit in your basement that you got to air out, and uh, I got a business to run, so <laughs> like, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna respond, but I can't stop you. Um, but they uh, they form a little bit of like a relationship because. Uh, old boy is actually posted out in front of his restaurant he's like well you know i i had some rough times in my life too so i i'm not gonna tell you to shoo go away get off my block or whatever um so you can tell that he's like he's kind of biting his lip when he's when he's doing it but he's like you know like you can leave your bag in in my place you don't have to haul it back and forth all the time so they they come to an understanding of sorts where it's they're both of the same generation and i think that's maybe part of the story that neither of us really have as much insight into as we probably should um but the generational struggles that have befallen multiple generations of korea like so so much has happened in recent korean history that like the 
the difference of perspective that comes with different generations, I think is like a huge divisive topic um, mm. in that country. Because so like the young people, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have a, a really prosperous first world country that only 50, 60 years ago was in dire straits, uh, like big time and, and went through some serious struggles. And then you have the youth of today that have no idea what any of that means, mm. but they're all raised by people who do. Gotcha. Um, so, so there's a difference of perspective that I think there's a reason why a lot of the older folks in in movies and just just in society in general they they share a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And there's a running theme in in this movie of like a lot of the old folks like just like taking a beating from life um, for the purpose of like uplifting the the next generation, I guess. And I think that's why they they befriend each other in some in, it's not a friendship but like they they come to an understanding because they they both come from a similar struggle where it's like yeah i've been there like i'm, I'm not gonna shit on you because i've been there too and i'm not gonna talk to you about it like i'm not <laughs> gonna get into details and shit we're not doing that kind of thing but we're not gonna talk but about it's okay it. um but uh old boy goes on a rant when he's when he's dining at the restaurant and uh I thought it was really interesting because he brings up a, a lot of stuff about boxing in Korea that it was really funny to hear his perspective on because this is not a bright man and he does no. a very good job of portraying that. Like, in fact, he has some rants he goes on later in this film that are hilarious but also incredibly pathetic and difficult to listen to. When he gets his shit together with his son and he's like decided to give him, oh, it's so funny. Give him, I like, love a, that sequence. It's so it, great. It's, it's hilarious. It's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a bunch of snapshots of him giving his son life advice, <laughs> and it's all such trivial bullshit. He's pretty great. Uh, no, he's pretty great. Uh, yeah, he ends up having a crying girl. I guess it's just another person comes to you know to get hit. It's some girl. She's she's pretty good. He's like, oh, she's got some good hands here. See, I thought this was leading to him opening up a gym at the end, like him taking on at like being a coach, which unfortunately does not happen. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the uh, the fight between uh, Rock and uh, I was I was mentioning um, when you get sent to the the boxing gym, he's just kind of like not really understand. Like he's just kind of like doesn't really give a shit. I like the guy that's like, here's the list of rules, learn them, memorize them. And he's like, why aren't you memorizing these? <laughs> I just thought, that guy was kind of funny. Well, it's because he comes across as so naive and like committed to the cause. Yeah. He's he's a fixture in the gym. He's like, what, what, why, why aren't you doing what I'm saying? Like everybody else just does what I say. <laughs> like you're the new guy. You're supposed yeah. to, you know, kowtow and, and be my goon or whatever. Um, but yeah, he gives him this list of rules that he's supposed to like recite out loud and, and memorize. And he's like, I think he's lying, but he says, motherfucker, I can't read. <laughs> like, <laughs> he crumbles it up and he throws it in his face. Um, but the, the head guard was the one that walked him in and he goes and he whispers in the, the coach's ear and he's like, take care of this motherfucker. <laughs> also, can there not be a disheveled, uh, disheveled, uh, boxing coach? Why do they all look like they just woke up? Why can't anybody have a fucking <laughs> comb? They all look like this. Well, Christian I mean, Bale was on crack. <laughs> and he looked better than this. He looked better than this. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, fight logic dictates that if, if there's an ugly guy standing across from you in the ring, 
that kid knows how to fight. <laughs> like, I was like, say. <laughs> and the same goes with, you know, the scruffy looking boxing trainer. It's like, I don't want the handsome guy. I don't want the nutritionist and the, the Instagram hobbyist. I want that old crusty fucker that looks like he's got a, a nose made out of dog, like dog shit. <laughs> There's a video of uh, a boxing coach. He was hitting the speed bag. And then I'm like, this guy looks like a fucking alcoholic gym teacher from the 80s. Like, he doesn't look like shit. This dude crushed it. It was insane how awesome he was. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's who you want as your coach. That kind of guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a thing in, in boxing in particular that more often than not, the, the best trainers are guys who have fight experience, but not, like, world-class experience like like a lot of times the the elite level guys like they don't know how to teach Mm -hmm. they know how to teach themselves they know how to do their thing but they they can't articulate how to do what they do (laughs) like you don't want floyd fucking mayweather trying to teach you how to to do his shit dude floyd mayweather's biggest troll is 50 cent please just look up (laughs) look up anything 50 cent does with floyd mayweather (laughs) It's great. Yeah, yeah. I saw some rumors about them maybe doing a thing. I I think what that tells you is that Floyd blew his cash reserves and needs something. But um, yeah, this scene is uh, fantastic. Um, so we're in the the prison gym here, and uh, it's a it's a proper introduction to a boxing gym. It's mostly just done through sight and sound. We get to see everybody running through their drills and their routines, and um, I've never had the luxury of actually setting foot in a legit boxing gym like i said mine was a fucking ex-cops garage but um i've walked into one and it feels like you just walked into a townie bar you just walk in you just a bunch of dudes just kind of look over at you and like i had to run i don't remember what i had to do i had to run in there for something yeah generally they're known to be claustrophobic noisy and uh they have a particular stank about them (laughs) it smells like a wrestling probably smells like the wrestling room yeah, um, but probably less room to move around because wrestling, you gotta do certain moves that you probably can't oh, no, it's pretty, do right. It's they're pretty. They're, wrestling rooms aren't very big. Okay. Yeah. Well, they stink. Um, <laughs> it stinks. Stinks. <laughs> um, champ. But, yeah. <laughs> Short for champion. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, do you want to tell the folks at home why we're laughing uncontrollably? I've been laughing about about that, I like, the whole night. So, (laughs) I ended up... (laughs) So, I've been on a kick. I've been on a... (laughs) I've been on a kick lately. I've been trying to go through David Lynch's filmography, and it's, it's been tough. I'm not a huge David Lynch fan, so... I've just been... Especially with Lars von Trier, I was going through his movies and get some of his interviews, and you're not going to get anything out of that guy about what his films are supposed to mean, but I can still get something from a Lars von Trier film. David Lynch is a, is a very strange director. His films are very odd. They have a, a very strange tone, but they're still okay. I liked Blue Velvet, but I was watching interviews with him, and I noticed that he popped up on an episode of Louis, the Louis C.K. show from FX, which was pretty funny. It was a pretty funny show. And he's, I, I don't know if he's supposed to be his agent or his his therapist or whatever, but David Lynch is playing his therapist. And he's like, so you want to be on the Tonight Show? And he's like, are you funny? He's like, yeah, I'm a comedian. 
And he, I don't know what he says. So he's like, listen here, champ. Short for champion. <laughs> like, I don't know why he had to explain it. But David Lynch is actually really funny in that scene. It's fucking hilarious. It's just, it's his, I think it's his, his nasally voice. And then just his deadpan delivery is just really funny. He has that nasally Wisconsin accent. <laughs> I can't tell if he's being funny or not. Champ. <laughs> Short for champ. I'm just going to start calling people champ. Champ. And just do the rest of it in my head. <laughs> so well, hopefully you don't start laughing like that when you uh, do it. It's really. People will think you're a psycho. But You just bought another week. <laughs> <laughs> but really funny. anyway uh so what happens after uh Yu's misbehavior in the in the in the the training grounds uh they decide to put him in there with rock mm-hmm. who i don't know if it's been disclosed at this point but he's basically like the standout among the boxing team in yeah. the prison um and also happens to be the guy that he got into tiff with earlier uh and <laughs> By the way, Rock has a, a hefty bandage on his ear. I feel like he'd be sitting out if he's going to be sparring. Uh, I feel like it's a little tender right now. <laughs> it's a little bit of a liability for sure, but um, they throw him in there without without any training, any any know-how. Uh, they put him in there with Rock uh, with no headgear, just a mouthpiece, no instruction whatsoever, and they just ring that bell. And uh, this is a really profound sequence because i i can fucking relate <laughs> um, no this this is what it looks like um when somebody i.e me <laughs> has no fucking clue what they're doing and gets pounded by somebody is this what they do to you they're just like oh it's your first day in the gym let's see what you let's see what you can do and they just have you go spar in hard gyms yes fuck uh, that, that. I'm, and I'm sure they do that shit not not in my place not in my place uh, my place was a police athletic league so like youth development was the point okay like, but in like a serious like professional boxing gym yeah i'm sure like gym wars are a thing that don't get talked about so much anymore um it used to be like a a ritual where like you you just like go blow for blow like try to take each other's fucking heads off in sparring um they we're starting to get to a point where sports science is uh encouraging people to not do that in yeah. fact actually there is a like a little bit of a breakthrough um in a recent ufc fight uh, max holloway uh hawaiian hero go team <laughs> represent <laughs> he uh he went on record saying for his most recent fight which he he completely like obliterated this fella um he did no sparring whatsoever uh, in preparation no kidding um, i mean he knows how to fight like he determined that i don't think that's a thing i need to do because i'll probably take more away from myself like by the time i get to the actual fight date um but yeah uh in my case no i wasn't thrown in there to the wolves on my first day but i certainly was pushed in there prematurely <laughs> um, there was a fella from fort lewis that needed some rounds um and it just so happened i was the only person in the weight category um so some fort lewis guy just you know boxed my ears off for a few rounds one night when i, I had no clue what i was doing oh, oh by the way uh folks at home you don't know this but i wear very thick glasses <laughs> and uh contacts uh, i will tell you this much 
uh, it's not a good idea to go into a boxing gym where you are required to spar and stuff because it you can certainly go to a gym to just work out i decided like an idiot that i, I wanted to do more than that in fact i i had a fight booked that i didn't actually get to do um, my brother like woke up early and was actually going to drive out to watch it and everything but um they they match you by experience or something so i had to weigh in, i had to like weigh in get checked out by a doctor and then get told like yeah we we didn't find anyone for you <laughs> so Aww. i was like so you mean i woke up at fucking five in the morning and like like had night sweats and stuff worrying about this <laughs> shit and like made weight and everything and now i just got to go home <laughs> like, but um what was i saying oh uh i don't even remember but point is uh yeah i got my ears boxed off by a guy from fort lewis and uh this guy uh you um rock beats the fuck out of him yeah like he, he just boxes his ears off and there's a really cool moment that again i can relate to where uh so you kind of comes out swinging like nothing but haymakers just like winging shots bad haymakers stuff. Yeah, stuff you can see from a mile away he he doesn't have his legs under him whatsoever his balance is shit um, he gets caught with a couple of stiff jabs and the expression, just that like look of shock where it's not, it's not pain. It's not like he's, it's not like he's in danger of being knocked out right then and there. It's just like that, like un- look of disbelief where it's like, hey, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, you also like, probably also like, I don't know what to do. Like you're just getting hit in the face. I'm like, now what? Like now I'm just getting hit in the face. Yeah. And by the time we get to the end of the sequence, um, he, he gets, knocked out obviously but he he's collapsed on the ground and he just he's like throwing his gear across the ring at rock who's like sticking his tongue out of at him and making fun of him and the the emotional toll that this beating took on him is so much worse than the physical because like i again i don't handle losing well and that feeling of even before you've lost that feeling of knowing that you're losing and people are seeing it happen is I don't know if this is something that everybody experiences, but it's it's like the worst feeling in the world. Um, and I would, say, I would say wrestling, it's it's very familiar. Uh, it's you get manhandled, which uh, I guess is not quite as embarrassing as getting your ass kicked in the boxing ring, but it's it can still be pretty embarrassing, especially if if you're wrestling a guy that's way better than you and you just get just wrapped up really quick. You're like fuck, that was embarrassing. Now I have to walk off the mat like a like a fucking loser. But well, he they're, needed they're the, both similar. He needed this check though, because he did. Yeah, that was uh, cool. the the tantrum that he throws after the match is wonderful to watch. Yeah, because it, it's very it's physical. He he's subhuman in this moment, and it's it's so very relatable. Even though it's exaggerated, it's it's really cool to watch. I liked it because he's he's like grabbing his scalp like he's just so angry he can't even articulate it. It's just like his. His body is reacting in a way that his mind can't even comprehend or process. But um, we kind of cut from that to back to old boy and uh, back to his financial woes and whatnot. Um, And at some point, uh, by the way, one important detail about his character that's important to note is that he he has a silver medal from like the Pan-Asian games from like the late 80s. And that's like his big claim to fame is that, you know, I got a I got a fucking silver medal in an event that nobody watched in the 80s (laughs) and i was probably an amateur so i didn't get paid for it um so he still carries that medal around with him and and in fact that's like part of how he advertises himself to crowds and stuff when he's asking for them to beat him up but around this time is uh 
when uh his his brother uh brings like a a news crew over to visit him um because he wants to cash in somehow like his brother's a hustler in that regard yeah um and of course old boy isn't particularly thrilled about this and he has a line to himself like i think he's just talking to himself at one point where he's like pride doesn't put food on the table yeah and and he goes out there and he takes his licks and gets paid and uh, you can tell that he he isn't happy doing this like this is something that he would very much like to do anonymously but now that there's a news crew here he can't really do that um i've been, um, I've been holding off talking about the smoking in this movie <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's maybe cultural, but these dudes are smoking like Mel, uh, Mel Gibson in Payback. Like we are taking big drags and we are breathing deep in. Uh, it's insane to me seeing uh, I mean, this is a box movie and these two dudes are fucking smokers. Like uh, old boy is a hard smoker and drinker. And I was putting myself in his position of like getting up in the morning and just like, He's drinking most nights, from what I can gather. Um, like, just getting up in the morning and, like, smack yourself, shake yourself awake, and then have to go fight people or have to get hit in the head all day. Like, I don't know what keeps him going. Uh, grit. That's it. <laughs> or or as, he, as he describes to the kids at the school, guts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I liked uh, the exchange he has with that random kid. Like as he's preparing to go to work, he he puts the the pink hairband in yeah. <laughs> to put his hair out of his face so he can do up his Vaseline. But it's it's such a funny visual. This like really tough, leather faced, like Charles Bronson looking motherfucker. Yeah, he is like the <laughs> Korean Charles Bronson. <laughs> yeah, he's like a yeah, he's like a Korean Charles Bronson. He's got this pink headband pushing his lustrous hair back, um, and he has this exchange with this little boy who's just like playing with his friend and he, he sneaks a sip of his juice or something and it's it's cute but it's also depressing because you know that this is like a surrogate child or something where he, he's wanting this but with his own son and unfortunately he doesn't have it um then mom shows up and it's like get away from my yeah, son right? weirdo <laughs> yeah you don't do that with other people's kids in public man um but yeah the news crew show up and he's reluctant but apparently he you know goes through with it and they do a news story on him like a like a public interest thing um and it does make the news and unfortunately it uh gets him nothing but trouble and very quickly um it doesn't take a genius to figure out what comes of this uh one uh his creditors find him yeah because he was kind of living off the grid a little bit uh so all those debts that need to get called in get called in now and they find him um and for a time though his his business does take off a bit because you know trends and shit <laughs> it's like it's like him making the news may as well be like a new restaurant opening on the corner or something all the kids got to show up to see what it is and you know take their instagram pics and Dude, stuff if if president if ex-president trump would have pardoned joe exotic do you know what his fucking uh, wildlife refuge would look like. Oh my gosh, dude. He would be making so much money. America oh, yeah. would be in Oklahoma at that at that place. I want to go you, if he got out. <laughs> I'd no, go check it out. No, you're 100% right. That's that's how this shit works these days. But um, he So he does get a little bit of a hike in his business. His business of getting, being punched in the fucking face. Um, but unfortunately, <clears throat> some gangster types... Um, more than likely people he took out loans with or something, they also find him 
And they beat the shit out of him. Yes. Uh, no, no gloves, no nothing. They just clobber the fuck out of him, and he's just in a heap on the on the roof of yeah, this building where he lives. He doesn't look good. He's barely comprehensible too. So he's like separated from his senses and bloodied up badly. But um, the lead gangster is. Uh, we later learned that they were on the same boxing team back in the day, like when they were both young men. I said they look like the. The age difference, like he looks like he's ten years older than him. The uh, old boy looks like he's ten years older. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Did did they just re- like drop that at the end? Because it was just, a, it was very strange the way that came about. It's it's at the very end when he gets his medal back. Um, there's there's a little bit of a dialogue exchange between the two of them, and it's actually kind of interesting because the gangster, um, it makes it sound like old boy was the the favored member of the gym. Like, he got special treatment or something, which does happen in gyms all the time, where it's like, if there's a star, you better fucking believe the coach is going to hitch themselves to him. Um, So he felt like, oh, I was number two in the gym, and now I'm getting back at you uh, because you're in the gutter and I'm a gangster. (laughs) Like, I I don't think anyone won here, but okay. (laughs) But, um, yeah, old boy gets his medal taken away, and it's it's really sad. It's really pathetic to watch Um, because... we've already seen him go through so many hardships and we've seen what his daily life when it's quote good like when he actually gets to have minutes of time with his son like it's not good none of it's good no um and in between he's getting punched in the fucking face in public for a living um but then we cut back to the prison and uh you uh his dad comes to visit him and you is apparently not in a good headspace and just doesn't want to see him um but his dad brings him a package anyway and uh a a kind person in the prison relays it to him and what what does he give him as like as his secret care package well actually two things um one i've never been to prison i've uh been military they're not the same but (laughs) i understand what it's like to be just completely away from your family and having very minimum contact with them and i do kind of understand that mindset of i'm kind of have to focus on this shit like this shit right now because it's just not a it just wasn't a great place to be so having that kind of outside element having your family kind of talk to you or visit you i could see that being very frustrating in prison especially if you're just like i'm i hate this situation i don't want to think about being out there because it's so far from now and especially on deployments you're just like i Love hearing from you folks, but gosh, it's just easier if I don't, and it kind of sucks. Uh, I could see that. Not only that, but he also got the shit kicked out of him recently, and probably doesn't feel good about. I was himself. just saying that. Also, like he just he just got to prison, and he gets the shit kicked out of him. Like that's not a great way to start. Uh, but his father gives him. I didn't realize until he started eating it. He gets him like a like a Korean pastry of some kind. And I remember being in, in South Korea and like South Korea had the best candy. I remember going to the the Korean candy store and I was like, oh, it was so much fun. That was one of the one of the highlights of uh, my trip was the Korean candy store. So when I saw him pull this out, I'm like, oh, I bet that's fucking good. And he's just like shotgun in a milk. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, <laughs> the only time I've seen somebody eat something that quick like that in a bathroom was at wrestling meets when dudes would weigh in. You'd see guys didn't even have like either underwear or naked just go straight for the Gatorade or just straight for like some food just because everybody was starving 
Yeah, get that Pedialyte. But yeah. um, yeah, oh. folks at home, if you've never tried it, um, trying to eat a a baked good or a roll too fast oh. is actually dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> like dangerous. you 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 can kill yourself doing that. I have gotten very close <laughs> on a couple of occasions. <laughs> Was no, it? it was. It's so funny because the, the way he tries to take this oh, thing, dude. he just yeah, he, sh- he just jams it into his fucking mouth. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if they're supposed to like that. That's kind of a thing. Is uh, you might not might not be allowed to have food. Like that was a thing in boot camp. It's like you do not bring food. Like try to sneak food back into the compartment. They do not allow that shit. So I'm like in prison. I could see him being pretty strict about that. So I just thought he was just trying to get down. Where did he get the milk though? That's what I thought was funny. Did he just get it from the? I, his uh so. The, the fella from the gym. Yeah. Uh, so, by the way, this handoff happens in the shitter. Yeah. <laughs> it was so subtle. <laughs> so, you is in the in the, in the the toilet. Uh, it, you know, it's prison toilet, so it's open air and everything. There's no yeah. stalls, really. And these are uh, these are squat toilets, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so, so, these people have good uh, body mechanics. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, this handoff happens in the shitter. And uh, you does the thing where you you just you look around, make sure nobody's coming in through the door right now, and you just you just gotta cross your fingers, hope nobody opens that door, and he just jams this fucking yeah. roll in his fucking mouth, and he gets like a note from his dad, and he's like Kyle had described, shotgunning this fucking milk yeah. carton into his for for you know fear of his own life. If he didn't have the fucking <laughs> milk, <laughs> if he didn't have the milk, that roll would have choked him, and he would have expired on the toilet, but. Um, his dad also gave him a couple of pills for indigestion, which I thought was really cute because, as I told Kyle before we started recording, that was actually the first phone call I ever got from my mother um, <laughs> when I went off to college was, are you regular? Are you getting your roughage? Are you pooping? <laughs> yeah, are you sh- are you pooping, son? <laughs> I was like, yes, mother. Yeah, I'm getting mom. my salads. Yeah, mom, gosh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was beautiful. That that was what my mom was concerned about. Not are you hitting the books? Are you are you being a good man? Are you pooping? Are you pooping? <laughs> um, but yeah, he gave him some indigestion pills, and he says, "Yeah, I remember uh, being in the military. Sucked. This is me being a dad and trying to relate That's to you, so son." So sweet. It's just it's, it's the, so sweet. It's such the sweetest. It's the sweetest dad, and he even tells him. He tells him not to come visit him again and he comes back and brings him the stuff it was so so nice i felt so bad it's for so dad. sweet that's yeah, a good his, segue his dad is great. this is a good segue <laughs> yeah well uh, you want to tell us what happens they do such a good job of of uh really f- making you feel for this family make especially feel for the father and uh uh has got like his hard knock life going on like he's cleaning i like how he's having to clean the bathroom and uh I, that was a good little moment he's like dad's here and you're like i don't want to see him but yeah so apparently he's back to his hard knock life and his dad's back at work and it was weird the way they were they were showing this because i it threw me off i'm like wait is you because he's they said that the the, the prisoners are going to be working so at first i thought you was the one going to work and i'm like well they've got a lot of equipment for for prison and i'm like oh no it's his dad's working there his dad is, uh, you know, just Fred Flintstone uh, leaving for the day. And they're like, hey, dude. And a fucking ton of bricks smashes this guy. And it completely caught me by surprise. It was a straight up, oh, shit. Like, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, so as sad. I told Kyle um, before we started recording, um, I the first time I saw this movie was on a video CD. 
Um, if you're not familiar with what a video CD is, um, you're over the you... age of 25 or under <laughs> the age of 25. Yeah, you're under 25 and you've had the luxury of never having to watch bootleg media. Um, video CDs are more common in parts of Asia and anywhere bo- better bootlegs are sold. Um, this is the kind of stuff that you would find like in the sketchier parts of like Place Market or something or outside of Westlake Center on a on a bath towel not not a picnic blanket Uh, a bath towel on the street we were over Um, overseas dudes would go crazy like there was guys like that was their thing it's like we're gonna get these bootleg dvds and they all sucked oh yeah the the quality is awful um but at the time um i was i was like i said i was on like a bender with korean movies (laughs) at, at this point and uh i i could only find this movie on video cd um, with terrible subtitles, so the first time I watched this movie, I barely saw it. Honestly, mm. it looked like boiled crap, and the subtitles were grossly inaccurate. So I kind of had to like feel my way through the film. Um, and even now, uh, the the DVD that I I used for this screening uh, to record this episode is a bootleg because this movie is out of print everywhere. Apparently, mm. um, I don't know why, but you can't fucking find it anywhere. Uh, so I I got it any way I could. And I'm glad I did because I really like this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the stunning thing about this ton of bricks incident is that it happens like amid a montage, like a very brief one. But it's basically you uh, gets the letter and the care package from his dad and he kind of shapes up a little bit like he commits to his yeah. boxing training like in earnest. Like he actually becomes a fixture in the gym and actually starts doing the damn work. Um, and we we parallel with this with you know shots of his dad also going to work and you know literally breaking like smashing rocks and stuff and they're they're both doing good things for themselves by by working hard and then in the middle of this montage that's an uplifting moment yeah <laughs> yabba dabba do uh, dad's dead he is dead as fuck uh, <laughs> I'm talking like. It's a house of bricks. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, this this is out of like Final Destination Two. You remember yeah. the pane of glass falling on that fucking kid? It's like that, but with bricks. It's incredible. Uh, I was not <laughs> I was not expecting it. And they uh, his his uh, his Mima and uh, his brother come, and they're just he just he's so unaffected by it, and. I wasn't expecting him to be have like a breakdown or anything. I kind of expected him to treat it like this, like kind of stay hard. Like I can't really, I can't really deal with this right now. This is not a good time. And I, they just have a picture of him. I thought was kind of funny. And I'm, I'm like, did he just find out or is he just now finding out when they're in there? But he already knew. Uh, so, um, the brickening happens, and like you said, his his Gam Gam and his brother show up, and uh, Gam Gam is just distraught. Yeah. And he he learns that his dad has passed, and uh, the the portrait thing is a Asian funeral custom, like just Asian in general. That's a thing that they do <laughs> vaguely, <laughs> in, in, <laughs> vaguely, va- Asian vaguely thing. Asian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a vaguely Asian thing. Um, but following this, I uh, like you said, he he kind of compartmentalizes a little bit. Like you can yeah. see it on his face. He's pretty messed up by this but i think he even verbalizes like i it doesn't feel real yet yeah um and he he kind of like commits to his training and his coach is like i know this really sucks um and boxing's really hard um but if you feel you need this 
will do this. Um, so we get to see him. Uh, uh, there's a lot of man butt in this movie, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, lot, a lot of a lot of use butt in particular. I was like, are we gonna show dong in this movie? I'm like, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, we 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 do get some dong, I, but it's th- mostly butt. Uh, yeah, as I was gonna say, I think that's a uh, um, uh, cultural difference there. Uh, but yeah, I was expecting uh, I was expecting dong. I'm like, dude, we're doing a lot of dudes in the shower here. We. We completely glossed over the dong in uh, any given Sunday, which <laughs> yeah, we should have brought that up because that is a that is a magnificent dong. <laughs> I don't know why it's there. I guess it's kind of show that she's just like unorthodox as an owner, and like she she's totally fine going down into yeah. She's totally unfaced by the the gigantic donkey cock. It's <laughs> just like just like swinging in the air when she comes into the locker room. It's terrifying. But yeah, and yeah, it it's, it is scary. <laughs> You half expect to start talking to you or something, but it really throws um, yeah, you off when it, you see it the first time. Like, wait, what? Yeah, we weren't doing that in the nineties. We weren't doing that in the nineties. Yeah, that was that was a rare thing. But you know, it is it is that kind of sports movie. It is that kind of football movie. That yes, this is what a locker room looks like. Oftentimes there is dong, exposed <laughs> dong, and everybody has to be comfortable with it, even if they honestly aren't. This is a penis. Um, do you see? oh my god um but yeah uh we do get some it is a prison movie so there are shower scenes and whatnot but yeah there's a lot of man butt on display and a little little bit of man cock but not not nothing to the level of any given sunday but um so you is in the middle of his training and whatnot and rock actually confronts him in the showers uh because you is basically making a big stink about wanting to become part of like the Korean national boxing team, more than likely for like international amateur program or something like maybe not the Olympics, but something akin to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rock is, you know, obviously the standout on the prison boxing team. So he's like, hey, that's my spot. You can't take that, especially because you're the new guy and I've already kicked the shit out of you a couple of times. Um but uh, they have an intense exchange here in the shower where uh, you, like, without even blinking, breaks his toothbrush and it's like, hey, fuck off. <laughs> and he actually scars himself on his midsection. Um, I don't know what the significance of that is, um, but apparently it was important enough to the film that they actually did apply makeup to his, his midsection by the time we get to the end of the film and he's shirtless. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what. Yeah, he, I don't know what that was, but I, I think that was him. Uh, well, redirecting his angle. Well, one, he knows that he can't really beat Rock at this point. Two, he know like they're. This is grounds for beating ass at this point because you can't. This is not okay. You you can't do this to somebody, especially if they just lost a parent. Like, it's super shitty, and it's showing restraint. I I understand the scene is showing that he's he's learning a bit, and I think that was his way of. He was so angry that he just had to redirect the pain to himself. Um, I think you're right. I, I hadn't thought about that, but I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, so it's like a little bit of growth on his part. Because before, like like we saw in the cafeteria, he would just launch himself into the guy. But this time, no blows are exchanged other than him scarring himself. When I, when I was younger and I would get so mad, like uh, arguing with a parent or something, I knew I had the household that if I punched a wall, it was not going to go well. So I would punch my own fists. It was the only way I could. It was just like, ah, just do that. It was it was the best way. Well, now that you're older, Kyle, you can do like Willie Beeman and go for a bag of chips. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh-huh. Is that what you're saying? Uh huh. Okay, yeah. Willie. I love that move. In the middle of an argument, uh-huh. just find yeah. something to uh-huh. put in your mouth. 
and just just spe- find, yeah. find something you can crinkle and and put in your mouth. And you're not speaking over somebody. You're just talk like you're you're talking to let them know that you're not listening to them, which is a good. It has move. to be in a bag though. It has to be in a crinkly bag so yeah. you can make all that you noise and you can't quite hear them. <laughs> chew with your mouth open while talking. Yeah, good move. Mm-hmm. Good move. With a beaming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, this uh, this results in uh, instead of having a fist fight in the showers, which would be weird for everyone because uh, it's not a David Cronenberg film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless it's Eastern Promises, we don't need naked fights in in our movies. Um, that's that's reserved for that film in particular. Man, I've seen um, his dick a couple of times. Vigo, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mister Whatever, Mister Wonderful. Or yeah, the dad, uh, Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. Captain I thought Fantastic. I liked yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice time. I heard it was good, but all I know about it is that his dick gets whipped out. Um, that and uh, the, uh, was it the Warrior King movie, the Chris Pine movie that got censored for dick? Oh, really? Or, well, what happened was it debuted at a film festival. And it had and then dick. <laughs> it, had, it had Chris Pine dick, so everybody oh, showed nice. up. Yeah. But then when it got put on Netflix, um, the runtime was trimmed. And oh, all was the critics it? were like, did they cut out the dick? And then, <laughs> and no, no, they didn't. I just need the, I just need the time stamp. I'm not going to watch that movie. I just need the time stamp. <laughs> well, no, your, your, your partner needs the time stamp. <laughs> I still want to see his dick. I mean, how are you going to market that film? I mean, he's a very handsome man. That's how they marketed that film was on the dick. Like, nobody's going to watch I, this I'm, movie. I'm not even kidding. They did market that film on his dick. Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to see that's him. Literally the, that's literally the only thing I know about that movie. Nobody wants to see it. Because it has Chris Pine's rod in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Rock and... Uh, so this and was Star Trek, get... right? That was in Star Trek, the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rock and you get paired up at the at the amateur trials. So yeah. this is like placement for the amateur team for the national team, and uh, Gam Gam and his bro show up to watch, mm. and he completely gives them the cold I, shoulder. I was so angry at him for this. I'm like, your Gam Gam came to see you. You have to acknowledge. I understand you got to keep your head in the game. That's that's a serious thing, and I understand you're very frustrated, but you can't do that to Gam Gam. Yeah, fuck, man. I, Kyle and I talked about this before we started recording, but Korean movies have a particular gift for making making me cry. Mm-hmm. Probably making everyone cry, but me in particular. I like. I, I've been making this joke for a long time, and I've probably said it on the podcast, but like, it's not a Korean movie unless a man cries at least once, and you, the audience, cry at least three times. Yeah. And uh, pretty much every scene that Gam Gam is in in this movie, I was tearing up badly. Um, and this one in particular, because just seeing seeing him brush by her and, and her just like still loving and still appreciating him. And I was like, oh, my God, you, you, you fuck. Piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you piece of shit. And then he fucking loses anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets beat up in front of his gam gam. But uh, it's clever the way they edit the sequence, though. Because uh, they have their headgear. They have their red and blue, respective, like red and blue jerseys. There's a referee. Uh, it's in like an empty stadium for the most part because it's fucking it's a fucking like national boxing team placement trial like this isn't a spectator sport yeah like and it's also a niche sport to begin with so it's kind of neat that there's not like packed stands or anything but um the way this fight plays out the choreography um use coming along like he's starting to get some fundamentals under him he at least knows how to hold a stance and snap a jab not that he tries to very often but rock is clearly the more he's 
the more technical fighter between the two of them. But the way the fight ends, um, Rock is on the ropes and Yu is just wailing away at him. And we cut to a we like fade to white when Yu lands a hook on on Rock's temple. And then when we fade up, Yu is on his face like he's like on his side on the mat being counted out. Um, so we don't see how it went down, but he did well in the early goings, and apparently Rock got the better of him. So Gam Gam got to watch his grandson get the shit kicked out of him, um, at which point we cut back to old boy, and uh, things aren't looking very well in his neck of the woods either. Um, <laughs> some fucker tries to kick him, <laughs> yeah, and th- the guy is nice enough to pay him a little extra because of the foul. Yeah. Um, kind of like kissing the hooker. The- I get you. <laughs> um but then we get a sequence where his son comes to visit him. So now he has the humiliation of having his son witnessing him, you know, try to eke out a living the way he does. And then we get simultaneously the most, like maybe the most depressing, but also one of the most funny sequences in the movie. And this would be when old boy is asked to come to like career day at his son's school. Like, hey, Kyle, do you want to walk us through this? <laughs> Yeah, you can't go there, you stupid bitch. Uh, he's <laughs> uh, he is. I'm su- first of all, I don't know how he has the will to live. Second, I wouldn't agree to this. Like, dude, I am not in the place to be speaking in front of a classroom. <laughs> I am homeless. I am pretty much homeless and an alcoholic. I should not be speaking to kids. But he puts on his suit and he goes to talk in front of these kids. And at first, I'm like, this is gonna go bad. And then he, he does kind of present himself pretty well at first. I'm like, oh, he might actually, you know, spit some knowledge here. Uh, he does not. Uh, he basically, he starts off, he's like, boxing is a lot like life. Uh, life is hard. <laughs> and he says, boxing is hard. School's stupid. Uh, you don't need to be, you don't need to be good at school to be a boxer. And then, like, the teacher's just kind of glaring at him, like, I don't know about this guy. And then he, he's trying to write stuff on the chalkboard. And I, <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to write on the chalkboard. I don't know if he knows what he's trying to write on the chalkboard. It's, it's bad, man. Like, the way, like, the signal that things are gonna, shit's about to get loud. <laughs> so, um, he's, he, is struggling to find his words, uh, which is normal for him. But he, the first thing he writes on the chalkboard as he's trying to collect himself, is like, it's basically a phrase like "my life" or "boxing," "boxing and my life." But he misspells it in Korean, so the teacher's like already like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but but the editing here is so spot on because he's he's constantly like it's Kyle did just like uh like he, he d- can't put together a sentence and the edits are, are there's a lot of jump cuts here where you can you just get inside his head and you understand how frustrating and, and difficult this is for him to just formulate basic thoughts and he's so inarticulate that you don't have to understand korean you can hear it yeah like his words are stilted he can't he can't articulate himself and yeah, he's he's encouraging these kids like, yeah, studying's dumb. You don't need that. Don't need you need that. to work hard. <laughs> life is hard. Boxing is like life. And then he's like, yeah, you don't you don't need to study. You, you, we you need what we call guts. Yeah, <laughs> that's the most important thing in life. And then of course you know this results in a a huge blowout between his his wife and him. And uh, it's it's some pretty rough uh, Robert De Niro shit where yeah. he's yelling at his wife and simultaneously yelling up to the window that his son is looking out of 
it's very similar to like the the fan or something if you've ever seen that i've heard that, of it oh, that mo- if uh if you don't like watching children in distress the fan is not for you uh. um, it is it's it's uh infuriating uh, it's a good movie i will give it that much. it's a good thriller um, I could have done with a little bit less Nine Inch Nails music. They, they really over- I'm serious. They they overuse it so badly. Wait, Robert De Niro and yeah. Nine Inch Nails? That doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't. No, that doesn't jive. Those are of two different generations. Is that Wesley Snipes too? Correct. And a uh, very young Benicio del Toro as well. Nothing about that cast is uh, uh, Nine Inch Nails. Nothing. 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 Yeah. Um, but there's a shit ton of it in that movie. Um, it's it's okay. not a bad thriller. It's 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 a cool premise. It's well acted. But um, if you don't like watching children, you know, deal with shit households, like I don't parental situation. Yeah, it's it's like a personal issue for me. It's like one of those triggers, I guess. If yeah, want to call it that. Let's just but, stay away from that. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> so let, <laughs> probably not going to be reviewing the fan anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> but um, yeah, he he has a blowout with his wife, and uh, he accuses her of being a like a prostitute or something. Of course he does. And, which is which is actually kind of funny. But basically, he's saying you're 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 being a prostitute because you're you're finding a new dude, like a new a new financial support system, and you know financial and emotional support system. Like that's probably a good move on her part, and not only that, you're calling her a prostitute when you're the guy Dude. who's like whoring himself out to the public. He looks like a tubby accountant who's just really sweet. <laughs> like this guy seems great. This is great stepdad material, by the way. Yeah, he he does. He looks like he would get that kid a Sega and a Nintendo. He's <laughs> he's commenting on the bed. He has money to like pick a mattress that he likes. Dude, you don't even get to pick a mattress. <laughs> you get a mattress if you're lucky he's got uh, mattress money us, yeah which brings us to the next phase of uh, old boy's story here where um obviously he's not getting to spend any more time in that apartment not with his wife and kid um and also apparently he's not using his apartment he's like subleasing it or something to someone else um so instead he's sleeping on the streets yes like he is he is homeless by choice because he's trying to save some money or something um and he gets a like a little bit of like a come to jesus moment with the restaurant guy um who he shows up completely fucking shit-faced and uh, as kyle had said um this choi min shik is a fantastic drunk actor he's very good he, like yeah he he gets to flex some muscles here for I sure i think the funniest i've seen is the guy in zach and mary make a porno he does the most accurate i've seen but this is actually good drunk acting um this is believable and i think the camera angles are doing him some like are helping out as well because it's interesting how he uses the camera because we're kind of getting a sense that uh old boy has got some cte kicking in like he's got some he's got some issues and i think the the editing in that scene where he's uh doing father's day for uh, for his kid the way the editing is you can kind of see where he's like it's almost like he's having that uh like that's his thought process yeah and I'm like, that's actually really effective. And here, it's not overwhelming, but I think it, it lends to the performance because he's wobbly and the camera is kind of going with him like that. Yeah, it's very handheld, and he's very sen- he's very seldom in the center of the frame. He's just kind of like wandering on the periphery, like on the edges of the frame and stuff. Now, was this a Korean pride moment? 
Uh, or was this him kind of hinting that he's going to kill himself because he's like, let's go drinking, I'll pay. And he's like, well, what are you going to pay with? And he's like, uh, I'll, I'll pay. I thought that he was, if he was like actually asking him to go have a drink and he was going to pay, it was like pride. Like, yeah, of course I can afford it. Or was he just like, doesn't matter how I'm going to pay for it because I'm going to fucking jump off a bridge later. I think it was the former. Oh, okay. like, I think he was just doing the custom of, okay. you know, He's. I mean, it's also fitting that he's still wearing the suit that he. This is the only time he ever wears that in this whole fucking movie. Most of the time, he's just in gym clothes. But for career day, he showed up in probably the, f- the only suit he owns. Yeah, I was gonna say, we're surprised he had a suit. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Maybe there's an extra scene of him like beating up a homeless person or something <laughs> and stealing it from him. But um. But yeah, uh, the restaurant guy. Uh, like kind of whispers it's like yeah i'm I'm dressed up because i just came back from a funeral <laughs> so like excuse me if i don't want to like celebrate with you and stuff um and he actually slaps old boy like he gives him a good slap and he tells him shape the fuck up you're yeah. a mess um and he collapses like old boy collapses on on the streets and he he is just miserable and he ends up uh sleeping in like the subway um but uh, around this time, we also cut back to you, and uh, there's a little bit of a debate going on in like the upper echelons of the prison uh, because they're aware that his dad got <laughs> crushed by a fucking ton of bricks. Ton um, of bricks. And, and uh, Gam Gam uh, lives alone and apparently is having some health complications. Mm-hmm. So they actually uh, release him uh, temporarily uh, to like tend to her um, potentially because she might be dying or something. And again, fucking Gam Gam make, made me cry uh, because his brother comes to pick him up. And uh, he he goes to the hospital and Gam Gam is uh, not looking healthy. She's not looking good. And she seems a little bit delirious also. Uh, and the way he expresses his frustration and grief in this moment is fantastic acting. There's a reason why this guy... Um, Ju Sung Boom, uh, I believe he got nominated for several awards for this performance. Oh, Pretty really? much everybody did. Um, well, Korean awards, not like Academy Award shit, but you know, domestic <laughs> awards and stuff. <laughs> well, it's still stuff. noteworthy. Yeah, it's still noteworthy. And it's a fantastic performance, but um, yeah, he he, uh, he really sells it here, and it, it comes across as very genuine, and it it made me feel sad. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, by the way, when we transition to you. Um, the last thing that we see with old boy is he's sleeping like under a cardboard box um, in the subway and he gets woken up by like the janitorial crew um, and he has like a hallucination of a, a bunch of signage around him a bunch of advertisements for a mm-hmm. a boxing tournament um, that he he looks at it and then he starts to see himself put on like put on the poster and then he's surrounded by the poster and this is like a a very cheap like dream effect where the camera's like spinning around him and it looks like uh, he's surrounded by these signs of him of his hallucination of himself as like a boxing champion or something that we abruptly cut away from that back to you story but um after uh, the sequence with gam gam uh we see old boy and uh <laughs> fucking made me cry uh, two scenes back to back because <laughs> his son shows up so old boy is no longer like dressed for his his boxing gig in the in the town square or whatever um but his son shows up to basically apologize 
um, for career day. Like that was a bad move. I, I shouldn't have talked shit about you um, behind your back. And uh, yeah, it's it's just him, his son, and his wife just all tearing into each other. And the stuff that he's yelling it's at his bad. son is it's, it's, bad it's bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not cool stuff. But um, eventually, though, after all that ugliness, he um, he does meet up with his brother again. Like their their paths cross again. And they come up with some sort of scheme uh, where I think the idea is he's going to use his connection, their mutual connections with the gangsters uh, to get him into this tournament and potentially make some money off of it. Uh, so this is a, a, I think they called it a, a super lightweight uh, tournament, mm-hmm. or a, which would be 140 pounds. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Choi Min Shik is 140 pounds. This movie <laughs> he looks closer to like 154 or something. Um, either either way, it doesn't matter. It's 140 pounds, um, and he's also 40 something years old. So I wouldn't be surprised if he needed to pull some strings to get in here. But um, yeah, Kyle used the phrase earlier um, in our talk here. He ate fingernails. Um, do you want to give that some context? Yeah, so I I believe they're placing a bet on this, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the what the money situation is. It wasn't really clear to me, so I was actually going to ask it. So his brother was betting on the horse race. So you could, his brother took his by the way earlier his brother took money from him, but he did leave him some chicken noodle soup, and this thing was piping hot. I'm like, dude. I mean, I know you're mad, but Get on that chicken soup. My partner made some chicken soup not too long ago. That really, it really changed my day. <laughs> like that's how good it was. <laughs> and I'm like, that looks like change your day chicken soup. So, yeah, yeah. do not discount the value of good chicken soup. It, it was really good. Um, it was a whole. It took hours. Like this was a whole process that she went through. It was incredible. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't really sure what the money situation is, but we seem to have struck a deal where if the brother eats the fingernails they're gonna maybe place a bet on this fight i'm not entirely sure uh it's pretty fucking disgusting uh it's weird how casual this is i was just watching i'm like he's clipping his nails by the way my girlfriend my partner she she pulled out a cuticle cutter which is not clipping your nails but i wasn't paying attention so we're sitting in bed and i was like doing sudoku on my phone and I hear click. I hear the the click of what I think is clippers. I'm like, are you serious right now? I'm like, are you doing this in the bed? And she's like, no, it's cuticles. I'm like, oh, dude, like you can't be doing. You can't be popping that on somebody. Yeah, this dude gobbles up. Doesn't just like swallow him. He take he he touches one, then he takes a handful, pops them in his mouth like some M and M's, and crunches them and swallows them. It's pretty disgusting. It's one of the most disgusting things I've seen in a film. Yeah, you do hear an audible crunch, and Ooh. no Ooh. nobody in the room looks particularly happy except for the guy who gave him the nails. I mean, that's um, a weird power move, bro. Ugh. I've noticed that is a thing uh, in, I can't speak for Korean culture, but in Korean film, this is a ritual that I've seen played out a few times. Uh, just, not necessarily with fingernails, but with dick, just like power dick, plays, ugh. dick measuring shit. Um, actually, there's a movie um, about MMA called uh, Fists of Legend that it's okay it's it's not amazing but it's it's a fun one um there's a there's a scene it's like a it's like a business negotiation and it it's rough because it's a business negotiation between an older man and and a younger person who's having to do all the legwork of getting things done 
So the older guy is like, you know, I'm I'm not interested in working with you at all, but this meeting's going to play out for as long as it needs to. And so he's like telling him straight up, I'm not going to give you what you want. And he keeps pouring the guy drinks. And this is a thing in Korean culture. You, you pour for other people. Mm-hmm. And if an older person serves you a drink, you got to drink the drink. Ah. And he, they, he just keeps handing him drinks. Eesh. And the guy and this young guy has to like straighten up and turn his head, just shoot the fucking thing and not even no no sweat no nothing and this keeps going and going and going and then we do a hard cut to the to the aftermath and the young guy just like walks into the office like he's he's like doing that i gotta take a shit walk into the office and he's drenched in sweat and he just pukes on the floor (laughs) it's rough (laughs) but yeah so um uh, he mentions uh i think his brother when he's talking to him he's like george foreman was the champ at 45 when he came back to fight and he's like you're just over 40 so I think it'd be fine. Uh, I think it's where he goes to the doctor. Yeah, uh, old boy does get himself checked out by the doctor, and I love his facial expression. It's just kind of like a kind of like he's kind of sad. It's kind of like reality's kind of hitting him. I was expecting this diagnosis to be much worse. Yeah, his his ribs have taken a pounding. He has some head. He has some brain trauma. Oh, shit, Not yeah. head trauma. Brain trauma. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has very little brain matter left. And yeah, his facial expression does a lot to clue us in on the fact that uh, reality is setting in. Yeah. The, you know the the way I've been living my life is is not a good way to live. He lives hard um, as fuck. Yeah. Yes, he does. And he's <laughs> uh, when he's at that guy's restaurant, he's drinking. So they told us this when we were in South Korea. It's like there's this uh, alcohol they have. It's about 20%. Now, Trevor, uh, a beer usually ranges from about 45 to about 7%. 7% is pretty high for a beer, but they can get up to up pretty high. Liquor is about 35 to 40%, and it can get a little bit higher. But this, this, weird, this drink, I'm not sure what it's called. I'm not sure if it's like a wine or something, but it's like 20% alcohol, and he's pounding these things. Like He was drinking this. Is it soju? I think it might be. I'm not sure what it's called. I can't remember. They just said it's in a green bottle and it's clear. Don't drink it because they didn't want us. <laughs> they didn't want us drinking liquor while we were in South Korea. So, well, I'll just say this much. Um, I I don't drink at all. I never have. Uh, so I I don't know details and stuff. But uh, the people in my life who do the hardest drinking of them are Korean. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's part of the culture. They go hard. Um, but uh, yeah, around this time we get we finally get like a bridging of the two narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fight, like the plan, is set. Where we're we're going to enter this tournament. We're going to use our gangster connection to make this happen. And we get this this cute moment where the frame is divided like straight down the middle, and we get two smiling faces, both mm-hmm. you and 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 uh, Kong, and uh, basically they're on a collision course with each other. Is what the movie is trying to tell us, but. Um, around this time, uh, old boy, uh, he, I think he he stumbles across a document saying that his his brother signed his organs away to the gangsters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, dude, when are they gonna cash in on those? Because are you gonna be like, is it collateral? It's like if he, I thought it was gonna be, he had to win, or his brother's organs were gonna be basically taken. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the arrangement was, but it's not good. No. Um, and he uh, he doesn't take kindly to this. And so he finally does what he probably should have did a long time ago. Um, I can't I can't use that phrase without thinking of the Dark Knight and Debo. 
<laughs> She's like, I'll do what you should have did ten minutes, ten minutes ago. <laughs> he just passed away. Give it to me. Yeah, he did. Tiny, tiny, Tony Lister. I need to watch yeah. first Black President, uh, uh, Fifth Element. Oh, you mean President Debo, President yeah. of the Universe? Yeah, president. not just not just not the country, Earth, the universe, the universe. Yes. Yeah, President of the Universe, Debo. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful casting. Yes. But, um. Anyway, yeah, he does what he should have did 10 minutes ago. Um, and he he steps to this gangster slash former boxing mate um, in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he just has a straight up conf- confrontation with him. And he, he brings his dick into the into the issue. <laughs> and he challenges his pride. Metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically. <laughs> I mean, we there is dick in this movie, but not here. I not, mean, not in a public parking lot. He hasn't lost. He's not that crazy that he's just like throwing his dick around in a parking garage this is metaphorically <laughs> i'm just picturing I'm, i can see dick. it i can see him doing it yeah he totally <laughs> just, well, old boys old boys dick probably has a charles bronson mustache <laughs> it's probably made of leather but, yeah. um anyway yeah what i mean by that is he challenges the gangster's pride in front of his goons so before the goons just laid into him. This time, though, he's like, "Hey, you and me got business. Those guys, they don't need to. They don't need to be involved in this." Um, and so they they have a little throwdown here, and it's fun. It's it's comical because this actor, I don't know his name, but he's he is an all star character actor in Korea. Like he is in everything, and he's always fucking hilarious because you just look at his face and it makes you laugh. Yeah. He's, he's terrific, and in this he has stupid greased back hair and flashy clothes like animal print shit mm. and you know he's blinged out and stuff he, he is a funny man um he does this role really well but so if you they do this set picture up, asian like, gangster in your head that's what he looks like <laughs> <laughs> well asian gangster but not like menacing asian gangster like he doesn't have sunglasses yeah 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 he, he's the guy that makes the other bigger guys go do his dirty work yes for him. um but the way they frame this, like the way it's shot, it makes it seem like because this is where it comes out that they, they used to be on the same boxing team. And it's like, oh, he's a boxer, too. And the way they frame it, it's like they both put their fists up and they, they do a little like head jerks here and there. And it looks like it's going to be this epic fight. And an old boy just it old boy whips this guy so bad to the point that he actually un, uncurls yeah. his fist and just starts. He just starts slapping. He's him stalked and slapping like, his ass. Yeah. <laughs> not even like, like it, he didn't even have to do that like he he start he starts off punching him but it, it's just so easy to land on him yeah. he's like i guess i'm just gonna open just hand gonna slap open, you now. Open hand slap you dude You're and gonna... he he does the ultimate slap though and i see this in a lot of korean movies it's it's not the the horizontal bitch slap nor is it the opposite direction pimp slap it's the down slap ah. It's the down slap on top of the head that's like, ooh, that, that means you're done. That means this isn't a fight anymore. This is a, this is a punishment. This is a spanking uh, for adults. Um, but yeah, he, he beats up the gangster guy, and he gets his silver medal back, which was taken from him. So it's like him re- reclaiming a bit of his pride and more than likely getting he and his brother out of whatever deal it was they had. So the stakes are lowered now. It's more of a it's more of a personal pride thing than like, a, oh my god, he has to win, otherwise his brother's going to get killed like in Digstown or something. Pride is on the line. Uh, I want to highlight the next fight, uh, Dreadlocks v. Billy Zapka. Because uh, I think that... 
Me, round three? <laughs> yeah, round three. So I actually, I like how you've seen the progress uh, of this fighter. It, it, it's done really well. First he gets his ass beat. Then he gets beat again by this guy. But you can actually see him struggle a little bit in this fight, but you can see his technique is better. And I think they do a really good job. And it's shot from this, almost the same angles, too. Like, uh, like from... Uh, you get the whole ring, basically, in the fight. Uh, we do get some up-closes, like, as we're in there. But yeah, I think this is the, probably the best fight of the film. This is probably the best fight of the film. Um, and... It's really remarkable because uh, something about, like we mentioned this before, a lot of the fighting in this movie doesn't look choreographed. And this is the the best example of that. And what's shocking is, I don't know if you noticed, you probably did, um, this is a one-er. Uh, this is two minutes. Mm-hmm. This is straight up, this is basically a round of boxing yeah. where, where two actors just went at it for almost like two-thirds of a round of boxing they either had to and the way they're the way they're fatigued by the end of it tells you that Ah. this shit's hard i I was watching (laughs) that i'm like dude you're gassed after that long i'm like damn okay uh (laughs) geez um i was gonna say like they all have to have had some kind of boxing background or went through like a few months of training because they're all competent in in their performance like everybody looks like they're a boxer yeah everybody moves correctly um, that's actually kind of shocking because even even like you know, like big Hollywood productions that you know have the luxury of the best trainers and you know best cinematographers and stuff that there's still weird eccentricities in performances like that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie Southpaw. Um, he he's Jake Gyllenhaal. He showed the fuck. Of up course, for that he movie. trained for a year probably. Yeah, he 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 actually legit did, and he his physicality is amazing. He was in tremendous shape, but. Yeah. The way he moves is not not a hundred percent educated. Like there's some quirks there where you can tell he's a little bit uneasy. Um, but yeah, these guys shockingly comfortable. You um, can... Min Shik in particular looks like even his face acting. Mm-hmm. Like he he doesn't look he he's like he doesn't give a shit. Like like punches are barely missing or they're even making contact and he doesn't even acknowledge it. You can tell when somebody's doing a, a, a wrestling stance you can tell when they're not i want to i got to send you the, the video of ac slater uh wrestling and saved by the bell oh oh it's bad <laughs> oh i can only imagine the fuck <laughs> so bad <laughs> but yeah there, there's certain things about physicality and and, and athletics they're really that's the kind of stuff that really fascinates me is that you really can see the difference between somebody who's comfortable with what they're doing and somebody who's just you know acting essentially and amazingly enough most of the boxers in this movie they they look very comfortable with what they're doing like they're the footwork in particular um is it's actual boxing footwork which is which is incredibly hard to figure out um i i certainly didn't get my head around it like i can move but i look like crap (laughs) and i'm I'm only half balanced most like some of the time but um yeah this fight is it's all one shot and it the bell rings and they have just a, like a little bit of a verbal exchange beforehand. I think Rock or Billy Zabka rather um, uh, teases him and says like, "Hey, you know, if 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 you don't get to enter this tournament, um, don't blame me. It's just because I'm better than you." So it's he's just getting one last verbal jab in there before mm. they go at it. And then yeah, the camera's just like it's all zooms and, and pans, but the camera's just in a fixed position, just watching it happen. And yeah, they just lay into yeah. <laughs> lay into each other, and they're completely gassed, um, which 
yeah, I mean, that's actually kind of neat in this movie is that this tournament, the, the final match of the tournament is only six rounds. And they're both completely spent by the time they get to it, which makes sense. Yeah. We have a 40-year-old guy who hasn't done the damn thing since the 80s and a kid who basically has never done it. He's just trained. <laughs> Getting into wrestling shape is really interesting because you spend about two official weeks of wrestling practice before you actually start going to, to matches. But you kind of mess around for a couple weeks before that. Like, coach will have, like, unofficial practice where you're just, like, kind of rolling around. He's not coaching you or anything. He's just letting you use the facilities. But you – it takes a couple of weeks to get back into, like, just, sh- like, wrestling practice and uh, – wrestling shape and practice. That, that's a different kind of shape. So when you get to your first match, it wakes you up because you're just like, holy fuck. Like, I forgot how different it is when you're actually in a, in a match because – you're gassed after the first the first two minutes. Like, fuck, oh, fuck, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. <laughs> but, it, uh, but it comes, like, you get it after just a couple of matches. But yeah, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like being in like boxing shape, especially at the professional level. Oh, boxing shape, like fuck. When they're doing sparring for like professionals and stuff, generally they put you in there with people who are heavier than you. Yeah. And not only that, you're in this case, uh, usually somebody's wearing a sweatsuit. Um, and you have headgear and you have 16 ounce gloves, which are twice as heavy as the kind you'll be, well, almost twice as heavy as the kind you'll be wearing in an actual fight. So it's designed to just beat the fuck out of you in the gym before you get into the, do the real thing. Um, but yeah, these guys, when they're doing the scene are, are wearing all of that. And (laughs) it's, it's kind of pitiful by the time they get to the end of it. It's not really that, that rock got beat. It's more just, he gassed yeah. so badly that he fell down and 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 the other guy just happened to be on his feet at the end and so he finally gets his win like we've seen him fight many times in the movie up to this point this is the closest thing he has to a win mm-hmm. um and by the expressions of the other people in the room it's like yeah he, he has come a long way and like kyle had said it's really neat actually being able to see that without having anyone have to verbalize that because we're not fucking stupid. Yeah. Like we can figure that out just by watching. Um, but we get a, a moment here where like uh, Gam Gam is in like rehab at the hospital. Made me cry again. Yeah. It's like what? Three, three cry sessions for me. And then uh, the tournament starts and this is where the narratives finally start to cross paths and proper where uh, Kong shows up, uh, old boy shows up and we get this tracking shot. Like, so there's a crowd around this ring at the venue and they're walking towards the camera and we're following the head guard from the prison he's kind of panicked a little bit because uh, apparently uh, you has to get on right the fuck now because a bunch of people dropped out of the tournament so he's been bumped up in the queue and the guard and old boy just kind of casually pass each other without acknowledging each other and the camera kind of like lingers on old boy and then like snaps the other direction it's really cute the way it's done but uh, the tournament starts and we get this montage of both of our heroes, both of them, uh, beating all sorts of ass in the tournament, mm-hmm. uh, just like cleaning up the opposition. Um, and then <laughs> then we get maybe the, the most just like straight up comical and enjoyable sequences in the movie. And that would be uh, old boy and his son. So he makes a request with his wife that, you know, I know I know I, I suck like I, we all know I suck. <laughs> but um before i you know finish off this thing that i'm doing he doesn't even really tell her what he's up to uh, he's like can i please have a day with my son so they have a father-son day and 
It's uh, Kyle, wonderful. you want to run run through some of the stuff we do here? It's such a it's such a nice day, father and son. He takes him to like a, a Turk like a bath like a bathhouse kind of thing. Um, he washes him, which I thought was a little like strange. Like we, I've been bathing myself since I was like five. So this kid's like eight or nine. So it's weird that he was bathing him. Like I said, culturally, it might be totally normal. So I assume it is. It, it would be really strange to put it in the movie if it wasn't culturally normal. Um, I thought that was a, a little strange in there. But he's, uh, <laughs> he mentions something about his balls. Did you catch that? He's just like. Yeah, uh, he says something like the subtitle said that you didn't get your balls fixed. Yeah. He's like, if, if you're embarrassed to tell your mom about that, like you can come to me. <laughs> like make sure to take care of that because the girls will appreciate it yeah that's why i was that's why i brought it up like it was very strange without setting the stage for why he was talking to him about that um but he's uh he's he's being a dad like he's if it, it feels like he's like putting a whole bunch of advice into what should be something you should be talking about over a lifetime um he <laughs> yeah i think at the dinner i think is the best part was uh his uh, I personally, yeah. I like the locker room. Oh, what was like, the locker room? <laughs> like, like, before you do your wash, make sure to separate your, your socks. socks. Yeah. This is very important. <laughs> no, and he and he keeps coming back to money. Like anybody who wants to fuck with your money, just just don't let him. <laughs> but, but the thing about the socks, yeah. just, his tone, he's so deathly serious about it. Yeah, but but when he's in the restaurant, he's I'm like, is somebody gonna like get onto him for talking so loud? He's like, don't. When somebody asks you for money, don't give them. But then he like changes course. He's like, just you know, you know, give them the money. Just go ahead and give them the money. I'm like, wait, what? What? That was really weird advice that he gave him. No, my my favorite line was he cuts himself off, like he said. So he's like, yeah, if anybody comes around asking for your money, just just you remember the, you remember Dad's yeah. friend from like a long time ago. You remember that guy? Fucker never calls anymore. <laughs> couldn't remember Not a his, single phone call. He couldn't remember his name either. Uh, yeah, he doesn't even. Doesn't call <laughs> yeah, the, the guy that used to come around the house. He's he hasn't called me in years. Fuck that guy. <laughs> it's a it's a really sweet father son day, and then it, it ends with them just holding hands walking down the street. Uh, it was really nice. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. It's not saccharine. Like it doesn't come across as like cloying or anything. It's it's genuinely like heartwarming. This dude is. I I love this Korean actor. He's so good. Like this is the first movie I've seen where I th- at first I was like, is he gonna be a piece of shit in this movie too? Because he plays a shit bag so well. But he's also so good at this like little heartfelt scene, and I think yeah, I think you're right. I think he's he's he has very good facial expressions. He's very good with his face. Yeah, he's very uh, elemental mm-hmm. in, in how he presents himself. Where it's it's it transcends language. Just mm-hmm. he his body language, his face, his tone in particular. Like you, you just get it. Yeah, like he, it's it's kind of remarkable he's he's a treasure oh, of an actor. i want him to be there's a, a reason he's so good i want him to be a bond villain uh he came close Oof. he was in that lucy movie with uh scar joe is he the villain in that kind of that movie's that movie doesn't know what the fuck it's trying to do um <laughs> but he he has a semi-prominent role in it um he's in terms of like a prominent korean actors right now in, in international film anyway it seems like uh ma, ma dong sok has kind of supplanted him parasite uh, uh no no um apparently he was in train to busan um, oh which I have, skinny guy no big guy 
Uh, oh, uh, the the uh, the what was the virus movie we did from Korea? Yeah, uh, you picked it. Yeah, uh, um, he was he was the military guy. He was the guy in the camp that was up to no good. Oh, dude, it's been so long. Big big husky motherfucker. I can't even remember. It's been so long since we did that. Anyway, he's he's a really he's he's a big burly guy that oftentimes he's kind of like the Korean rock where he he's a big scary looking guy but he has a heart of gold and he's good with kids and stuff. Um he's actually been recruited for the Marvel movies. Oh. Um, he's that popular. Um uh, but he's he's not on the same level as Choi Min-chik, but he's younger. And he has a good physicality about him, and he does have that tool set as an actor where it doesn't really matter what language he's speaking. You just you get it. Dude, this could... Honestly, I wonder if this could get a Criterion release. Because if there's no way to get this, like, this is actually pretty fucking solid. I don't know what... I don't know what the deal is with uh, the Korean um, physical media. Uh, it seems like a lot of things go out of print, and there's no demand for them or something. Because uh, there's a lot of movies from not that long ago that's like, oh, I guess I can't see this. Like, I can't fucking find it anywhere. Um, and this is this is one of the big ones for me. Um but yeah, that would be really nice if somebody would pick up an HD version of it because I've only ever seen it on a shit video CD and a shit DVD. Well, actually, the bootleg's not half bad. <laughs> I was going to say, say that I much. picked up on it when I was watching it. I'm like, I don't think he paid for this. I don't think he paid top dollar for this, but it doesn't look bad. Uh, yeah, it did not spare no expense, but, um, you know. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, the, the the Republic of Korea gave me no options. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, his he puts his son to bed and he puts his medal on him uh, as he's asleep and stuff. And uh, Gam Gam, uh, while she was in the hospital, found out about the tournament and she saw there was like a write up about her grandson being being in the tournament. So she, uh, when when the other grandson goes to visit her in the hospital, uh, she's like, hey. Uh, your brother's doing a thing. Uh, I'd like to go see it, even though I don't appear to be healthy enough to do that. But, you know, Gam Gam is going to Gam Gam, so she she insists that they go to the venue. And uh, we get a really cool build-up here uh, where both of our heroes uh, arrive for the finals of the tournament, and it just so happens that they are pitted against each other. Um, I was not the expecting way the camera that. Worked, <laughs> uh, I... Actually, I'll confess, I forgot how this movie ended precisely. Mm. Uh, so it was it was thrilling for me to get to the finish line because you you're left kind of guessing up until the end. And as I said, this is akin to watching your children fight because, as as we've been saying, both of these are fairly likable characters for the most part. Mm. Sure, Kang Taishik is kind of a peel, but we just came off of a wonderful sequence with him and his son that yeah. makes you warm up to him quite a bit. Um. But yeah, we get uh, formal announcements. Like it's like a legit boxing match now. It's not. This isn't just some prison brawl or something. Um, and what's interesting about this, um, and I don't know if this is a, a thing in uh, Korean sporting events, um, but in Japanese boxing, uh, it's fairly common for the crowd to be silent until something of significance happens in the fight. I was gonna um, ask. And there's about no that. crowd noise in this fight. It's very strange, and I. Th- think that's why i had a problem with the like with this in scene because it was just so different from what i'm used to in a sports movie uh it's kind of like watching the nfl this season when it first started like green and eight crickets like just nothing no, no noise whatsoever 
Uh, sportsmanship. I was worried for a second. Uh, I love sportsmanship. It's great. I love it in sports. I don't like shit bags. Um, uh, old boy goes to give him the, the 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 mitt, and he starts to walk back. I'm like, oh, don't you do it. But he just didn't see it because he was looking down the whole time, I noticed. But yeah. he gives him the bump, which I'm like, good, excellent. Yeah, Oscar De La Hoya would do the opposite. He'd look at the ceiling uh, during the stare downs. Really? Uh, different philosophies. Some people do different things. Some people like to get right up in your face and like mean mug you. Like, um, was it Dirty Diego Sanchez and in, in uh, the UFC? He had his mean face. He would do that is utterly childish, and I I would probably laugh at him if he did that to me. But then he'd probably whip my ass. Yeah. But no, he would most assuredly tear my head off. But um, yeah, some guys will look straight through your soul. Some people look at the floor. Some people look at the ceiling. And uh, you, uh, as we've seen him, actually, it seems natural to him. Like, yeah. He doesn't. He's not. He's not an eye contact guy. He's got. He's got bad posture, and he looks at the floor. Um, but yeah, I like that they touch gloves. But the the way that they touch gloves is good acting because it's an indication of character. Where it's like, you know. Choi Min Shik, his character may be rough around the edges, but when it comes to his boxing, he's a professional. He takes it pretty fucking serious. Yeah. Um, and he did, you know, participate in some form of a championship back in the day. Um, and this—it's like he's—it's like a homecoming for him. It's he, and it translates to the fighting as well. Um, I I really love the the look of their their respective boxing styles like Choi Min Shik like you said he probably does have some boxing experience mm-hmm. at some point in his life uh, because he looks very 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 comfortable um, and it's actually kind of interesting because th- when we see them square off with each other uh, their their fighting styles are consistent throughout the movie where it's it's not just nonsensical brawling and like haymaker shots and stuff it's uh, Kong has he's kind of more defensive oriented which makes sense because that's all he's been doing for the past several years is you know trying to guard himself and avoid punches without ever punching in return and that's mostly his technique is to use distance and angles to set traps and you of course being the the younger guy with with a big punch and a lot of fury uh, keeps falling into those traps and bull rushing him and stuff and he doesn't have a whole lot of fundamentals but uh, the flow of the fight is really fascinating because uh, the first round is is kind of like finding their footing and it's it's very clinical uh, it's not super dramatic but it's it's a good way of like dipping your toes into the fight where it's like okay we're we're doing this now but the second round is a fucking revelation um it's a it's like it's like the final fight between uh, you and and rock aka billy zabka uh, in that it's all one take and again, it's at least two minutes long, um, but this time one of these guys is forty years old <laughs> yeah. and just having to do complex boxing maneuvers and is actually fucking selling the damn thing. Um, but the the music is like rousing and and crowd pleasing, um, and this is as close as we get to like a rocky kind of feel for this movie. Um, and yeah, the entire second round is is one shot, and it's it's thrilling because pretty much every time they're they're at distance kong is taking control and and sticking the jab and whatnot but every time they're exchanging with each other the younger man of course the more energetic probably with better you know stamina reserves is getting some shots in so they kind of keep things pretty even throughout the entire fight surprisingly yeah Uh, yeah it's kind of shocking because like 
Rocky movies in particular often fall into the trap of um, excessive knockdowns. Because, like, knockdowns are... Knockdowns occur in boxing uh, either in flash circumstances where it's just, you know, right punch, right time, where it's it's not even a matter of how damaging it was. It's just, like, sometimes somebody's off balance and takes a bad step. Um, or it's, like, a deafening, crushing blow where um, even if they got up, it's, pro- it's probably pretty close to the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of times they do, they use knockdowns in movies uh, to punctuate dramatic moments and like the choreography where it's like, that's not really how that works. Like you, you usually when you get knocked down like that, um, the, it changes the entire color of the fight. Like it changes the narrative dramatically. It's not just you shake off the cobwebs and get right back to business. Like, yeah. Now you, now usually you, that's that, at least what I've seen in UFC, you get somebody who gets knocked down pretty good. The other guy turns on the gas, like hits the gas. Like I've got him rocked. I'm going to hit it full speed. Well, that's the that's the crazy thing about boxing is that it's like they're they're hitting each other constantly. Like like clean shots are are hard to find, but like there's constant contact. But it's there's really something truly dramatic in in seeing a person who is conditioned to take those shots on the regular and show no sign of weakness or mm-hmm. you know no no sign of vulnerability. That that moment when that that switch flicks, and all of a sudden they become very human and very exposed. It's like whoa, yeah. Like like the entire room. Like it doesn't matter if you have an educated eye or not. Just seeing that that very subtle change in body language is it's exhilarating mm-hmm. because, like I said, these are people that, who train specifically to not show these things. It's like these are ultimate poker face types. Yeah. That, it's like, oh wow, he fell asleep at the wheel, and oh, now he's unconscious. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you want to describe like the fight kind of takes a turn after the second round, though. Yeah, so I f- I wasn't really paying attention to like the actual fight itself because the um, the lack of music, uh, the lack of sound in this, and then it was weird. I didn't, I don't think the movie knew what kind of tone it was supposed to have because you're kind of invested in both of these guys. You're not going one way or another. So how do you set that tone? It's, it's kind of unheard of in, in a sports movies. Like you usually have someone you're going for. So it was just, it was a really strange experience at the end for me. Yeah. I think that's, that's what makes this movie kind of special and very unorthodox is because they, by design they can't rally too strongly behind either person and they don't and somehow it it still kind of works um the way i i made my peace with it is that it's it's not really about who who wins or loses it's this isn't even really it's not even really a fight like it doesn't it doesn't really matter who who the other person is on the other side of the ring it's more just them exercising their respective demons it's Um, so it's so like when when the by the way, I looked it up. It's apparently a, I think it's from New Zealand. Like it's it's I don't know if it's Maori or something, but it's it's some form of, like Polynesian language is the the song that plays over the final oh. round. I recognized it as not being Korean, so I looked it up, and yeah, it's it's something from New Zealand apparently. Uh, it's very pretty, <laughs> but uh, 
it's just slow motion them clobbering each other and, and looking like crap doing it. I was going to say, this, <laughs> I, I realize I'm like, no one's going to get knocked out. I'm like, this is going to be about going the distance, like like going through the whole fight. Because this doesn't work if you have somebody who is like an actual good, like legit professional, like or somebody who's on the brink of being a professional fighter. This is a guy that's new to the sport. And a guy that's like over the hill. So the real challenge is the both of them, one going to one guy sparring or fighting a guy who's you know twice younger than him, and another guy who's had, has very little experience and going against somebody who actually does have experience. So the thing is, are they going to go the distance? And they do. Well, yeah, and I really like that because mm-hmm. there's no knockdowns in the fight. Like both guys are beat to shit but they're both on their feet the entire contest it's also very back and forth like it never really feels like anybody's dominating at any point in time they both have their moments um but yeah i feel like that the whole point of them colliding with each other here is that this is like a a turning point for both of them so it it's not really implied that you's going to continue boxing he probably could yeah. it seems like he has some tools but like you said there's actually a lot of novelty in the stakes where it's like so hang on, this is a six-round tournament? Like, you do realize world championship fights are 12, 12 rounds. Yeah. 12 three-minute rounds. What what that tells you is that it's kind of, it's like, it's small potatoes. Like, it's, not, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not really a big fucking deal. Right. It's like not even, it's probably for like a regional Korean title, <laughs> if that. <laughs> um, yeah, this isn't, yeah, this isn't about winning or losing. This is, a, yeah, this... And, and it's, it's six rounds and they're completely gassed. So neither of them is a particularly outstanding boxer. But Both these dudes what's... smoke pretty hard. So <laughs> I'm surprised they weren't doing that in the corner. Seriously. <laughs> but yeah, what's interesting is what they both bring to them in the ring, and that's that's why the film works. Is because we get to spend that intimate time with both of them, not not really even fighting, just getting to know these people, and we get to see that, yes, Kong Taishik is a piece of shit, but you could view this fight as kind of him doing like in Rocky Balboa and getting the shit out of his basement, like clearing out his basement, where it's like, okay, I've I've spent so much of my life thinking of this one moment in my life from the 80s as being like my defines me yeah yeah it's like well i just lost so maybe it's time for me to hang it up and you know just love my son and and work on just work on that because that that's the last moment we get with him is him him and his son having a tearful moment this post-fight scene dude good fucking luck keeping your tears in because oh my god it tore me apart yeah i think Uh, this might (laughs) this is one of the like best sports like i said this is one of the best sports dramas i've ever seen like this is excellent well i'm very happy to have shared it with you then because i know i know this isn't generally your genre Um, yeah this is so not my lane (laughs) and it works (laughs) Uh, but yeah, during the fight, it needs to be said, everyone is watching. So it's kind of like Vision Quest in that way, where uh, uh, you, his uh, Gam Gam, and his brother both find their way to the auditorium. Um, and simultaneously, Kong Taishik, his uh, his son and his wife, uh, his son takes off. Um, mm-hmm. So we get an episode where uh, his wife is like going mattress shopping with her new, bo- her mo- new boyfriend or whatever. And uh, the son is with them, and he takes off because he wants to go to the boxing venue. I didn't uh, even notice that thread. 
Yeah, it, it's not important, but we do cut back and forth between rounds of the fight. Like, thankfully, not mid-round, but like in between yeah. rounds, we're cutting back to all all of the people who have been in all of our, our lead characters' orbit throughout the film. Like, everybody's somehow watching. And it's really cute. Like, it's like traditional sports drama stuff in this very, like, non-traditional sports drama. But even the gangster uh, is watching on television. Yeah. We have this actually really funny <laughs> moment where the dude at the spa is changing the channel and the goon squad, like, stands Ricky Tan! <laughs> <and all> these... <laughs> yeah, they, he's looking like Ricky Tan with his back bathrobe. But it's just funny watching his goon squad who are all... They're not in shape, but they're big. Yeah. But they got the tattoos, which is a big red flag, especially in Korea. Um, and they stand up, and they don't say anything. It's just three big fat dudes standing up, and the guy's like, "Oh, I guess I'll change the channel back to the box thing." Life lesson: If you're ever out in public and you try to change a TV, don't do that. But if someone's like, "I'm watching that," they were watching that. Put it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it means more to them than it does. To yes. <laughs> Especially in the right venue. Yes. But uh, point is, like, the entire supporting cast is witness to this fight. Um, and it's it's really cool. By the time we get to the, the sixth round, um, they beat the shit out of each other, and we go to the judges' scorecards. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get really dramatic scores announced where I believe the first card goes to you, second card goes to Kang Tae-shik, and third card goes to you. Yes. Uh, so the young man won. And it needs to be said that <clears throat> um, before a few of his fights in this movie, um, I think his coach... Uh, says to him like this is your way of like repenting for like all of of the stress you've put on your loved ones Um, which given that Gam Gam and his brother are both in the audience and his father's no longer with them like it's understandably emotional that that he did did good he done good this time Um, and yeah as Kyle had said um, you're you're not a human being if you don't feel something from the conclusion of this film because it like personally i was i was pretty teared up here i Uh, because you have combination yeah i i had them coming pretty bad especially because fucking gam gam had to show up (laughs) i actually probably would have cried had i not seen a video of a 59 year old gorilla or ape or i think maybe it was a chimpanzee uh basically she was dying and she was refusing food and then her caregiver when she was very young came to visit her and she brightened up and actually took some food from him right before she passed away and i'm like motherfucker and they got me so had that not (laughs) happened this week uh then this definitely would have gotten me yeah uh basically what happens is the you is announced as the winner and uh old boy is just like slumped over in his corner and he's they're both torn the fuck up and his son runs up to the ring and is like trying to wipe his tears away and stuff and like clean his cuts and they're both kind of bawling at each other (laughs) and like the mom's there too and she's like this is (laughs) this is awkward yeah (laughs) but seeing the the boy cry and like like try to tell his father it's like you're why why the fuck did you get let yourself get beat up like i love you and he's like i love you too but i think i'm I'm stupid you (laughs) you is the one that really got me because yeah yeah he uh he does the the classy thing of not even having his arm raised in the ring like he just uh he just steps out of the ring after he's announced as the winner and normally they'd like hand him a trophy and like raise it the referee would raise his arm and stuff but he just jumps out of the ring and marches straight to gam gam 
and uh, they embrace and he yeah, just he, breaks he, down he's just yeah, he completely starts bulk yeah uh, it needs to be said that we do have a, a brief scene earlier in the movie right before the tournament i believe where he visits his father's grave site finally no tears no but he i think he actually just says like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna live my life like you did he's like <laughs> he's like but what if i lose like yeah it was yeah yeah um so this is it makes sense for him to have this breakdown when he does where it's like this is everything we've seen in the movie all at once and gam gam's pretty tearful as well and that's that's our concluding shot is uh he and gam gam embracing each other crying and uh us the audience knowing that he done good finally mm-hmm. and then uh we we end with a like a freeze frame of of both of our protagonists yeah. face like like nobody's jumping in the air doing like a judd nelson fist in the air or anything but um yeah it's like a freeze frame of both of them looking you know very very happy with how things played out even though there is a winner and a loser um but yeah that was crying fist from 2005 excellent film yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I was a little nervous because, like I said, the last time I watched it was barely watching it, and it, that was over a decade ago. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to have had an excuse to come back to it because it was as good as I thought it was back then. I, don't, I think we're doing a better job now of letting trailers set the tone for films. This is not one of those. Uh, we were still in the like '90s and 2000s. We were like, "This movie's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be awesome." And it's like, just super fucking dull. Like, imagine what a, a No Country for Old Men trailer would have been in the '90s. Like, it would not have been selling the movie. It would have been something completely different that they told you you were gonna be watching. Yeah, there would be a few in a worlds here and there. There'd yeah. be a lot more swoosh noises when we transition from shot to shot. There'd be a lot more people in in a telephone booths yelling yeah <laughs> with the camera well, you, spinning around you them can come get it yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll it. yeah. So, this is gonna be a bit of a nail biter like it's gonna be an experience but it's not gonna yeah be. and and some of those gunfights would go down a little different yeah. there'd be a lot more uh guns akimbo action because john <sighs> woo was in vogue at the time <laughs> there wouldn't be any uh shotgun action well no there would be a shotgun action except for like entire buildings would blow up every there'd be a lot of gasoline explosions i put it that way i've been meaning to rewatch that it's been a while um but yeah (laughs) this this i watched the trailer when you sent me the trailer for this i'm like i don't know about this one and i think maybe in the future if you if you're on the fence about which one of these movies to do just don't send me the trailer because it'll just be easier just to go through the movie yeah it needs to be said the the other two picks that i I, I'm always very apprehensive when it comes to picking movies for Kyle because I have no fucking clue what you like. <laughs> like I've I don't know what I after... like, dude. <laughs> that's the you, thing. You like what you like, and that's part of why it's fun to work with you. But um, I yeah, don't even though we've been doing a podcast for a couple of years now, I still have no fucking clue what this guy likes. That's but, fair. Um, <laughs> the the other picks that um, were front runners in terms of my boxing pick because there most certainly was going to be a boxing pick in sports <laughs> month. <laughs> Uh, we're uh, another Korean movie, actually, Champion, um, which is about a, a, tra- a real-life tragedy that uh, was the reason um, we we no longer have 15-round championship fights uh, because a, a Korean boxer was killed in the ring um, in the in the early 80s. Uh, it's a it's a well-publicized thing that happened. Um, it's a pretty good movie too. It's brutal, but it's really really good. Um, there's also a movie my brother. Uh, 
he got me a DVD of years ago. It's it's a, I think it's directed by John Huston. That would be Angelica Huston's dad. Oh, um, I was like Danny Huston. That's the the guy no, from no, that's, Thirty Days that's a Shark Night. Face. Yeah. yeah, that's Shark Face. Yeah. <laughs> Close your mouth, Danny. <laughs> but um, I think he was mostly known for westerns. But he did a movie called Fat City hmm. with uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, Stacy Keach. Oh yeah, I've got that on uh, my queue. Uh, eventually, it's very good. It's very good. Um, my brother got it for me because that was when he knew I was really getting into boxing. And he was like, you know, you owe it to yourself to, you know, your junk food diet of Rocky movies is wonderful and all. <laughs> but maybe you should watch some highbrow shit every once in a while. I like Stacey Keach. Yeah. I really do, too. And he's wonderful in it. Is um, he good or bad? It's a, he's a dick. That's he's a drunk. Cool. He is a sloppy drunk. Oh, I like Stacey um, No mustache, though. Ooh. No mustache, though. Yeah, he looks weird. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's very, very good. Uh, it's it is brutal as shit. Not in terms of violence, but just like showing what like real desperation and poverty look like, and and like real ugly alcoholism look like. <laughs> um, and also its portrayal of like just how how hard it is to be a boxer. Like there's like the quote unquote antagonist in the movie has no lines. Um, but he just shows up at the third act of the movie and, uh, he like checks into a motel and the first thing he does is piss blood. Oof. Um, and then he fights Stacy Keach, who the movie is telling us we're supposed to be rooting for Stacy Keach, but we know full well that this guy's showing up probably having fought yesterday and is still beat up from it. And Stacy Keach is a lousy drunk that is still like nearly killing himself just to hang with this guy so it's like oh stacy like <laughs> like you i don't think i don't think you're as tough as you think you are but um and the last one was cinderella man which i i decided it was too schmaltzy for kyle I, I i just thought like it is i think it's a good movie and i think the boxing stuff is pretty good as well but it has too much of that Rocky syndrome. Mm. Like I, I didn't, I personally thought it would just wouldn't sit that well with you. But again, I have no fucking clue what you like. Um, and it has Paul Giamatti. So that's a selling point. Yeah. I like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah. Paul Giamatti and Russell Crowe. Can't go wrong. Um, but yeah, that was a uh, crying fist uh, directed by uh, Ryu Sung Won. Probably butchered that, but I tried my best. Um, but yeah, if you would like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit us up there uh, if you have any questions or suggestions for future programming. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, though, uh, the podcast is available on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine. So Google it. Uh, But yeah, that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.